You're Abed. I, and then it occurred to me that I'm Abed because I'm the one who is putting myself in a film in my real life. Dude, I'll I need GMO bananas. I don't care. My baby loves bananas. You're dropping a hard R on a guy. I gotta imagine that you're gonna turn over like, what the fuck did you just say? I don't like. You know what? Hit him. Uh, but I think I look like uh, Trey Cool from uh, Green Day, which is something. I can see that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Welcome to the south of the streets, coming at you every week with this food for thought. Hope you're ready to eat. With everything going on in this nation, we need some information, and that's why salt need to be stationed in your rotation with real talk and real topics, real people, real problems. Think we need some help to solve them and leave it up to Colin and the Donovan. Cause right, that's the what, what's that? Up, oh, let's get ready. And just like a red, white, and blue phoenix rising from the ashes of political bipartisanship, we are back to Salt of the Streets podcast. <laughs> this is Saturday, November 30th, 1.03 p.m. episode 74. And welcome back, everybody, to the Salt of the Streets podcast, your one and only source for social and political commentary and all the weekly news, pop culture, and sports that you can handle. And the best part about the whole deal, it's all built from the ground up for people like you and me, the everyday normal person. So come down and join us as we discuss life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and continue our endless efforts to bridge the gap between people and information. As always, we are your hosts. I'm Colin. I am Donovan. And today, we are joined by a very special guest. He's a freelance writer at Onyx Path Publishing. Treasure Gollum at Absolute Tabletop, host of the Roll Up and Die podcast, and Game Master for the Be a Better Game Master YouTube channel, Michael Barker. Welcome to the Salt Streets podcast. Thanks. I didn't realize I actually did that much stuff until right now. This <laughs> you're way yeah, you're way more legit than us. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is my up, show now. Your show. I'm absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you're the third co-host. It's <laughs> definitely from now on. This is how we're going to do this. I don't know if we need to Skype it or whatever, but this is going to happen. <laughs> And coming up on this week's show, while we get to know Mr. Michael Barker here, we're going to be talking about the Navy Secretary, Richard Spencer, President Trump, and the Navy SEAL, Eddie Gallagher. We have some impeachment talk and probably some 2020 candidates talk and just some general political heyday stuff. Yeah. I think. Nice. But uh, yeah, it'll be cool. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> cool, cool. <laughs> So we were we were just discussing before we started taping that Michael Barker and myself have a uh, uh, a love for the show the I think vastly underrated show. show vastly underrated community and yep. we've discovered that Donovan has never seen it because he's a terrible piece of shit. What's the guy's name on there? Joel McHale. Joel McHale. Yeah, Chevy his... Chase is in there. Donald oh, really? Glover is in there. Really. Oh, are yeah. you kidding me right now? Allison Brie. Allison Brie's in there. That's my future ex-wife. Sorry, sweetheart. <laughs> it's just the way it is. You know it. Adderall oh, Annie, if you will. Adderall Annie. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Seriously. I don't, I don't today, know Today. Start today. But you were just telling me, Michael, that you go to a, com a community college now. I do. And do you take a Spanish class? That's the one <laughs> class I take. And I formed a Spanish study group. In this weird, like, microcosm of the community <coughs> television show that has become my life. It's, and, uh, it's weird. It's one of the, it is actually I love it's it. interesting. I this, love it. Do you have a, some... a wily cast of characters in your study group? Oh, so wily. We have, we have, <laughs> so uh, wily. And, and I, I, I have conversations with them like, okay, you're, you're, uh, Adderall, Annie, you're, you're Donald Glover, you know, you're, I, I just like, <laughs> go through, you're Troy, right? You're Abed. I, and then it occurred to me that I'm Abed. Because I'm the one who is 
putting myself in a film in my real life. Oh my god. <laughs> I know. You are you're through. the real life Abed. I'm the real life Abed. God damn it, Donovan. There's a lot of there's a lot of famous people on this show. Oh, yes. it's a great so show, amazing, man. Yeah. It was fucking phenomenal. I what was it? It was like Paget Bruce Seven Seasons funny. and a movie is what we were promised, I yes. think. And, and where's the, movie? the fucking movie? The movie is what's left. Yeah. Seven there's only the six seasons on here. Oh, wait, maybe six, six seasons in a movie. I yeah. can't remember. Either way, it was phenomenal. Well, I don't I like the show. I hate the show. I was really just trying to be optimistic that maybe you have another season and a movie yeah. coming, you oh, know? Oh, maybe. That maybe. might be nice. I mean, they mm. could do like a Rick and Morty thing and come back after like five years. Good old Rick and Morty, right? <laughs> you watch Rick, Rick and Morty, Morty, Michael Parker? Yes, I do. I have yeah. seen Rick and Morty. Uh, good old Rick and Morty, as you said. <laughs> I've seen Rick and Morty. I believe I've seen the whole first season. I am aware that I believe it was originally called Doc and Marty because it was based on uh, mm-hmm. Back to the Future characters, Doc That's and Marty McFly. Looks like it, yeah, and yeah. But then, obviously, you know, I'm sure there are copyrighted. Uh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And it's so much better because the way they've played into like their names of Rick and Morty. Yeah, and like it, if their names weren't Rick and Morty, there would be no show. Yeah, anymore. It's <clears throat> yep. And yeah, that latest season is out now, and there's supposed to be like another there's supposed to be like 100 episodes or something like 75 up. I think 75. I think it's 75 I haven't seen any of the new ones yet they're not on Hulu which makes me sound like a lazy fuck but I get tired at 11 o'clock dude it's on 11 o'clock on Adult Swim oh yeah tired. this is why I don't do that yeah I go a la carte consumerism like we talked about the pre-show and I buy the season on Amazon or no, I think this one I got on the PlayStation Store because I was just And lazy. so you just you get it every week after it comes out? Yeah. As, as soon as it comes in, it's like I get a notification on my PS4. It's like, hey, new Rick and Morty's here. He was the first person I ever knew to – he introduced subscribing to anybody's anything. When I first started working with Colin, I didn't even know what a podcast was. Like I'd never even heard of one. And then I started to listen to him and we started to talk about him. And he was like, oh yeah, I fucking Dave Rubin and this guy and this guy and this guy. And I, you know, give all these people money. And I was like, what? You won? He was like, yeah, give, just give them all like $5 a month, you know? And I get all this shit and <laughs> videos and fucking whatever. I don't weird. And so, but <laughs> now there's, baby. and now I use Patreon. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So it's, it's, good it's a weird deal. I'm a patron for a few different uh, gamer podcasts, so I'm 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 a supporter of that. I think it's a cool just answer to a lot of the issues that people have come up with and how creative people make money because yes. it's such oh, a yeah. niche market in a lot of ways. And so uh, it's a really creative answer to that. Same as Kickstarter. You know, Kickstarter yeah. is in that same vein. Is that okay? So you say niche, right? Niche. Do you know anyone who says like niche? You know, I know that's, plenty of those sons of niches that say. And, <laughs> and so, it, so you don't think that that's correct? <laughs> well, because I, I don't know. I've I heard used I've to say niche. I, I, don't think it, I don't think it matters. I'm pretty sure the the root of the word is French. So mm-hmm. I, you know, try to follow suit in that way. There should be some yeah. accent on yeah, it. Niche. Okay. So, <laughs> let me ask you this: How do sure. you pronounce? Oh, I don't want to. Well, I'm going to have to say it. Well, write it down. Shit. Write it down. <laughs> Wait, we have the technology. You this have the is technology. fantastic. We have the technology. Yeah. I'm going to spell it wrong, but it's going to figure it out. Pakistan. 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 Word. I dated a girl from Pakistan for a oh, while. Well, you did? There you yep. go. She's yeah, very we, nice, and her family was really cool. Was really I, awesome. I forget when it was, but we had a conversation about those people that say, like, Pakistan versus Pakistan. Yeah. Or, Niche versus niche. Well, I think. How do you pronounce Iran? You like know, I say Iran. Like I think I say Iran. It's 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 usually a good rule to do the ah yeah. when you're talking about countries in the middle. And I've Iran. You know, and I think Valley. that 
Iran, Iraq. I don't think that I really uh, hold myself too strictly to either one because mm-hmm. I know that for certain I know that I've said Iraq and I know that I've said Iraq. Like mm-hmm. I, I know that I've yep, said both. both yep. Just kind of depending on however it comes out that time. So, well, so in the media, everyone says every different version. It was yeah, just this mm-hmm. weird thing. So you know, you know, I you can never be perfect. I, you're always pronouncing something incorrect. So I'm gonna fuck with your head real quick oh, because I this was the point somebody made to me about the difference between Pakistan and Pakistan and saying like the more saying it in like their the way they would pronounce it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um. Do you know who Angela Merkel is? Yes. Yes. The chancellor of which nation? Germany. But they call it Deutschland. Oh. So we don't call it Deutschland, Deutschland, right? Mm. It's weird. It's very weird. That's all I'm saying. It's just a weird thing. And the the ones that That people kind of cherry pick to choose how they pronounce it, it's – I don't know what it is, but it's interesting. Is that so as to further separate themselves from, you know – like the whole Holocaust thing, or like well, no, I mean, Spain uh, calls itself España. Yeah, yeah. But we, or we, we don't. Well, I, ju- I just mean in this case in particular. <laughs> like I know in the case of Germany, like do they call themselves Deutschland because they're like we just don't even you know we just won't even bring that up. I think like, they were Deutschland back with the when the when World War Two started anyway. Mm-hmm. Really? Think, oh yeah, yeah, it's been Deutschland so. since it became Germany. Mm-hmm. You know, it was. I guess that's what I get so for you, just you being came here to podcast, ignorant. You never American. expected to learn. I always expect to learn. <laughs> I always expect to learn. You should always assume that someone you're talking to knows something that you don't. Listen, that's Amen. that's my go-to. One hundred percent of the time, I'm talking to anybody. I'm just assuming that they know more than me, which I feel <clears throat> leads to a lot of the insecurity in me. Is that I understand how much I don't know about every single topic, even the yeah. topics I claim to know about. And so it makes me feel like, oh, man, I don't know anything. Yeah. There's always someone who knows oh, something yeah. more than me, so I must not know anything. Well, and I just knew coming into this that you knew a lot of shit. So I Uh-oh. I totally expected to – not that I have like – you know, I'm like, I expect to learn at least 20 things while I'm here today. All right. But I, you know, I expected to to walk away with at least like – one, hey, Jordan, guess what the fuck I learned from Michael Walker today was this, you know? The first thing you learned was that Deutschland was uh, for just forever. Since before the Holocaust, me. yeah. Forever, <laughs> since, forever. Yeah. Since before that. Mm-hmm. Since that whole Prussian Empire thing. Kind yeah, of I'm interested to know exactly. Yeah. I'm interested to know exactly when that became a thing. Yeah, me too. Forever. Uh, Caesar was walking. Uh, it was the Romans that called it Germania. Yeah. Well, I'm going to figure um, it out for sure, uh, like a date, you know, yep. and I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to go get ahead and Julius Caesar on the horn right now. No, no, no. I'll, I'll just, you know, I'll use the Google. I'll try and do some solid investigating. I'll make sure that I post the answer on my Twitter. You can find that at Salt of the Street, right? And you can also find me on my Instagram at alpaca underscore Donovan. And Colin has his personal social media. He's at Big Bird Alpha on both of those things. Um, We have our Salt of the Streets Instagram. That's at Salt of the Streets. Our Facebook at Salt of the Streets. Our YouTube at Salt of the Streets for all of our videos. You can find all that on saltofthestreets.com. Do you have anything that you want to throw out there? Any social media at all? I just want to say that was an amazing segue. That friggin' just swept me off my feet. Thank you. Uh, uh, Yeah, I'm at a Be a Better Game Master on YouTube. And uh, the stuff that we're going to talk about, the gaming stuff that I work on, primarily happens at Absolute Tabletop, which is on AbsoluteTabletop.com, or on Facebook, the Absolute Tabletop official group. Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that. Tell Absolutely. all your friends. Yeah, tell your friends. It. So there you go. Because if you're not tabletop gaming, you're layman. Yeah, you're tabletop uh, layman. Oh, all right. <laughs> he thought about that before now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Uh, I've been working on it all night. <laughs> that would be sad. So, Whatever, but before man. we have a lot of fun, Let's some dad jokes you got to plan out. You know, that's being a dad. I can tell you. Oh, yeah. You sometimes it, it, you just think of it, and you're like, man, when this particular circumstance happens i got a fucking fire dad joke that i'm gonna spit out and you just wait you just sit on it you know so yeah, that's a good call yeah it just dad jokes, it just you happens can do that because you can they're all so short and cheesy you just hold yeah up, you just stack them in your pocket and when yeah. it's ready pull them out and i can promise i'm only 24 so it truly is like some people were born with that you know but other people it's like <laughs> maybe just it's as maybe soon as you become a dad it just Something turns on that they just start coming to you. You know, I don't know what it is, but it's fucking dadism. How dare you? It's good. No, I don't. I don't. I like it. And it's like once you know, I'm a dad. I can say that. That's right. Yeah, I'm allowed to prejudice myself. You know, you're a new protected class. You get to hang out. You get to talk shit on the dinks. One more slice of the intersectional pie that belongs to me. So <laughs> just go ahead and eat that. You got to claim your territory where you can. Man. It's a fucking rough world out there. It's good to spawn. Mm. So, yeah, let's. We got to talk about this Navy SEAL cat. Okay. Because it's. I don't know. I've been looking into this for, you know, basically since it's been happening. It's been real weird to watch unfold. There's right. some, especially from my military background, my military background, mm -hmm. um, knowing how things work in more or less you probably call it the military judicial system the you know under the uniform code of military justice and i mean it's very it's it's real cut and dry there's not a lot of this crazy weird legal loopholes and shit like that it's right you know there's a few books that you need and that's it well and because of that this happened relatively quickly like yes. this whole, this whole court martial does. right and that's i was thinking about that on the way here that i think that a lot of people might wonder like why this happened so quickly. And that's, I think a good point to make that it's, it's because it wasn't through the standard judicial system. This happened through the military judicial system and it was a court martial. And so it was super quick. Like I think there were questions came out. So yeah. just in between, you know, at the end of 2018, I think, and now the whole trial and everything has happened and all of this stuff afterwards that we're going to get into. So that's why it happened so so quickly was because of court martial instead of the, the standard. American judicial system, you know. Leave it up to military to, to get things done judiciously. Yes. On so more than one level. So this man's name is a Navy SEAL, uh, Eddie Gallagher. I believe that he's still a chief now, correct? Yes, thanks um, to the president. Yes. And so we are obviously going to get into that. And so last year there were allegations that were raised about him from uh, other people that served with him that – he had, you know, shot innocent people from a sniper post on more than one occasion. Um, and the one instance that he actually was, was found guilty of was, um, that he had, yeah, he had stabbed and killed, um, an ISIS fighter that was like 15 years old that they had found. And, um, and I don't think that he was, he was acquitted of that. Yeah. It was ultimately the, the attempted murder, right? Is that, right, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And essentially, I mean, it's important <clears throat> to understand that when a soldier overseas commits murder during a wartime theater, you know, that's considered a war crime. And so you're hearing these things thrown around there like he committed war crimes. He's on trial for war crimes. And that is technically true. Yeah. But, I mean, it's it's not like he was over there, like, you know, mowing down whole towns and shit like that. This is a very different 
situation. Right. There were a few accusations at times where he had fired rockets into villages without seeming, you know, uh-huh. without there really seeming to be a reason and had ordered other people to do so. Um, but he, again, wasn't found guilty of those things. These were things yeah. that he was charged with, um, but that he was not actually found guilty of. Yeah. Um, Acquitted and- on all charges except for the, the one. Right, right. And so this, <clears throat> excuse me, this ISIS fighter that he, that he was accused of of stabbing and killing, right? Mm-hmm. He then posed with a picture that he sent to some other SEALs that he served with. Um, and that's, as you're saying, is what he eventually was found guilty of. Yep. And so after that happened, there was, he was demoted. Um, and then shortly afterwards, by order of the president, his rank was restored to chief. Right. And after that happened, there was discussion between the secretary of the Navy. What is this guy's name, Colin? Oh, uh, Richard Spencer. Yes. Okay. Weird as fuck, right? Richard V. Spencer. That's weird, right? Am I not the only one that thinks that that's weird? Because if you don't know. It's a name. Richard Spencer is also the name of a man who is a radical white supremacist um and i Some would say the founder of what we refer to as the alt right now so i was really confused about that at first and had to like look up a picture of him and be like this it's not the guy how fucking random right just how random that they happen to share the same name in right? 20 years there will be no richard spencers <laughs> people have stopped <laughs> naming their kids that. yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's like just for good reason. Which just is a, a shame. It sounds pretty nice. It's yeah, a solid name. Yeah, we're talking specifically about the sibilance of it and the format yeah. and the syllables. Yeah, I'm in. Dick Spencer. Come <laughs> on. Exactly. A Dick Spencer is way too close to dispenser <laughs> for me to say that. Oh, what kind of dispenser? I know. Is it a dispensary? Because if that's the case, I'm probably down. <laughs> There's They got those all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> a few. Just a few. Like on, one on every corner. The last time, so I I bought I brought a joint here, right? And when I went there, there was a sign in the store that said, "Plan to get high, plan to get a ride," and it was you oh. know an ad for like DUIs, and I thought that that was really cool, and I don't think that I've seen that in any other stores, mm-hmm. um, so I thought that that was. That was rad. You that know is what I'm saying? Public safety at the bottom. It was like, you know, DUI stops are increasing because that's a, a huge, I mean, it's a problem all over America, but here particularly that is, it's a rampant problem. You know, people are getting fucked up and then driving home. I mean, people are getting killed all the time here. Oh yeah. All over the road. There's, you know, the white crosses and stuff like that and bicycles and shit that are painted white on the side of the road for oh, yeah. people that have been hit. Yeah. On the way from your house to mine, there's two white crosses of people that I know. I knew yeah. in high school that are now dead. Yeah. And they have white crosses on the side of the road now. And there's That's fucking wild. There was yeah. two head on collisions on this road this week. Yeah. One of them was fucking sounded terrifying. I was outside with the dog taking her out and just heard this quick little skirp smash. Yeah. And I mean, it was fucking loud, man. Just a few weeks ago when we went shooting um we were going on clear creek and we saw the aftermath of an accident where we found out that somebody had died there that there was like a someone who got t-boned on clear creek um and yeah that's i'm saying that shit happens all the time and that i don't yeah and i don't believe that that was a dui i'm not trying to paint these as instances of but we're just (laughs) these are just dangerous road really fun to drive though i think we've found some (laughs) 
I like to drive. I like to pretend it's Gran Turismo and I just sit there and hug the turns. <laughs> What's this lane business? I don't and need that. That enormous truck out there on the east side? That's oh, yeah. Be- <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's my, that's my four by. Yeah. So Richard Spencer, Secretary of the Navy Richard Spencer, not white supremacist Richard Spencer. Um, there was then discussion between him and it was Colin Green, right? That's, that's, he's the, he's the rear, the yeah, rear the commander, rear admiral. right? The rear admiral. Yeah. And he is the one that tried to initiate the process that was the Trident Review Board, right? To try and see about getting what is called the Trident from from this Navy SEAL. And so it's the the pin that they wear that they get at the end of the BUDS training that symbolizes yeah. that that they're a Navy SEAL. Yeah. And so it and once you get that, you can wear it forever. Right. You know, there's and, there's there's certain things like in the Coast Guard that was like that. We had a thing called a a cutterman's pin. So you know in the in the Coast Guard we don't have ships, we have cutters. You know, depending on the size and all that. And so you serve on board a ship, on board a cutter, which is a certain size of a ship, you know, the bigger mm-hmm. ones. You do that for X amount of years and you do a bunch of different like seamanship, you know, specialty little things. You get the senior people to sign them off and you get to throw that on your uniform forever. Once you do it for, I think it's like six years you spend on ships. And that's like not a thing. You'd be surprised in the Coast Guard. That's not a thing that a lot of people get. Yeah. And so there's a lot of pride associated with that. And so when you're talking about the SEALs Trident pin, that's, it's that times like 10,000. Right. To Navy SEALs. I mean, these are the, the most elite cream of the crop, like the top tier of the top tier. Well, and he's a chief in the Navy SEALs. So yes. he's, he's been doing this for a long time. I believe he's been in the military for 19 years. Um, and I think it was six years into his service that he went into the BUDS training and mm-hmm. became a Navy SEAL. So he's been, for the last 13 years, he's been a Navy SEAL. He's done more than one, mm-hmm. you know, tour overseas. I mean, it's, he's, he's highly decorated from what I understand. Yeah. And very experienced. I mean, he's, he's gone through the sniper training. He was a medic. I mean, he has, he's, from what I understand, a very efficient uh, Navy SEAL outside of these, you know, these charges here. And there's a lot of I I sent you a lot of articles, Michael Barker, and I've got I think seven articles up here that are from different sources that all say very different things. You know, there are a lot of people that say that he was an amazing person and would never do anything like this. I mean, his wife and his brother, the whole time that he was in jail, um, you know, were all over the media talking about that, you know, he would never do anything like this. This is ridiculous. Like, um, and there are other people, the people who reported this that served with him that say that they witnessed him do these things, yeah. you know? And so that was the, that's the thing I want to know a little bit more about is what his, the people alongside him and serve under him and serve yes. with him said, because that, I feel like that should hold weight, but. Right. Maybe not and, wait, but it just it interests me. I yeah. want to know what they <laughs> and they are ultimately going to do that review. That's about it's basically a group of the Navy SEAL peers that get together and form a committee to. It is going to happen case. now. That's from my understanding. That's where we're at at this point. Everybody's just kind of be like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. We're right. Done with so, this whole thing. Because, so before we get yeah. into the actual charges, we we should say that like at the end of the process that the Rear Admiral Colin Green was trying to initiate the process of the Trident Review Board to see whether or not his Trident would be taken away from him. Right. He was also intending on retiring. So this was essentially to see whether or not he would be able to retire a SEAL or some other different rank within the Navy. Right. And so. Mm. After finding out about this, the president decided that he didn't want this Trident Review Board to happen and that 
Eddie yes. Gallagher was going to retire with his trident, regardless regardless of what anybody had to say within the Marines, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. after this happened, um, Navy SEALs. He, yes, sorry, I I did that all week talking to which Colin. is funny I because kept, they can they can be from any service, right? But once right. they're a Navy SEAL, they're part of the Navy, right? And I just keep yeah, I apologize. He is which a Navy is SEAL. That was just just a slip of the tongue, um, because regardless of how I feel about his personal charges at this point, he is still holding the rank of chief in the Navy SEAL. And I yep. feel that he deserved the respect of me, of me calling him that. You oh, know, I know. Re- like I said, regardless of how I feel about whatever you know these allegations are, mm-hmm. I don't. And I, I need as to of now, myself, you know, I was I was mistaken earlier. They, so his review process never really happened. They canceled that. You know, the president tweeted right. the whole thing, and the and we'll get into this later. But like the problem here, the reason this is even a news story is because the president decided to insert himself into the situation. Yeah. And but he he had made a tweet right before the or right after the Navy secretary was fired or right before around that time about how the fact that he is going to keep his trident. Yes. Fired the the secretary of the Navy, so on and so forth. But the Navy did also cancel the reviews of the three other people involved in this process as well. So they are not going to have to go through the review board either. Lieutenant Jacob um, Porter, Lieutenant Commander Roberts Bryce, and Lieutenant Thomas McNeil. Yeah. Um, So they will not be going through that process. So it sounds like they're going to be able to keep their tridents and all that. And it sounds like he's keeping his too. But he's also chosen to submit his resignation or yes. his retirement. Yeah. And it's the Navy Secretary Richard Spencer you said that was fired, correct? Because yes. he was fired by the Secretary of Defense. It's Don McGahn, right? Is that who this is? Then yeah. uh no. The, no 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 Acting, Don Yeah yeah. Uh it's it's like Eps Eps something shit. I'm gonna have to look it up. All yeah he's ones. the ac- so Esper. 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 Thank you. Don McGahn is 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 ordered that he has to or was found in the courts that they said that he had to testify. Yeah. Um, that's that's yeah. what I'm, I'm getting my topics mixed up here. So, anyway, so Esper um, ended up firing the Secretary of the Navy because he allegedly, I believe he did, he went to the White House and said that he was willing to try and kind of insert himself in the Trident Review Board to ensure that Eddie Gallagher was able to retain his trident. Um, and after that happened, the acting Secretary of Defense said that he could no longer trust his discretion and fired him, right? So there's now, I believe, an acting Secretary of the Navy. I don't know what his name is, but that yeah. was just like last week that okay. that he went in there. So so the Secretary um, of the Navy got fired by yes, the Secretary of Defense. Of Defense, yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and By Trump's Secretary of Defense. Yes. Yeah, okay. Acting. Yeah. The acting. Because yeah, pretty much all the cabinet level members are acting at this, this point. There's very right. few that are confirmed. But, right. <clears throat> which is an interesting conversation all in itself. Yeah. But yeah, we've, Mark Esper, we've covered, Secretary of Defense. Yeah, we've covered quite a bit of turnover within the Trump administration in the higher ranking cabinet spots. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's been a lot. Yes. Yeah. Certainly more than normal. Turnover mm-hmm. is not abnormal by any means, especially in that, in that high of an mm-hmm. office with that many people working there, but that much turnover in that high of offices mm-hmm. is, it's usually is like, weird. You know, in a standard four year presidency, they usually have a rollover once around the midterms. So mm-hmm. around two years in the start of their third, they usually clean house a little bit, change it up and then move forward. But 
capture I, some voters. Yeah. And I believe this is the third Secretary of Defense, actually. I think um, so. Yeah, I believe that there was <clears throat> there was an original one, and he quit. He resigned, and then there was an acting that also resigned. So I believe that Mark Esper is the third Secretary of Defense that has been within the Trump administration, um, if I'm recalling that correctly. I'm nice. going to look it up. Yeah. Because I'm curious. Uh, General Mattis? Yeah, who replaced Mattis? That's the name. Probably Esper. So it's just oh, two? One more before. That's, no, that's what to I think, too. I believe that there was... Uh, oh, well, it was fucking... Uh, Michael Flynn. Wasn't he the secretary? Oh, yeah. Michael Flynn was the first one. Yes. Michael Flynn was the first one. Yes. And then it was General Mattis. So the United, the, the acting one. United States Secretary of Defense, Patrick Shanahan, preceded. How did we get Jim Mattis? Preceded by Jim Mattis. Okay. Maybe he was his defense. Well, I don't know. I got to figure out. Go, All right. go to click on Jim Mattis and go yeah. to proceed. Oh, you crap, did the I just thing. got rid of it. You did the thing. Oh, it's terrible. I do the thing all the time. <laughs> and you accidentally click the X on the tab. It's so close. It is. It's, it's not so okay. Close. All right. Patrick Patrick Shanahan yeah, replaced Jim Mattis. Jim Mattis. But you should read his book, replaced. Jim Mattis, General Mattis's book. I oh, saw yeah. that you had that. Was it good? Oh, man, it's good. I've Four. finished it twice. Repeated by Ash Carter, proceeded. And he was from 2015 to 2017. Wow. Yeah. That was, and he was uh, appointed by Barack Obama. Interesting. So it was just Jim Mattis. And then he was succeeded, saying by Mark Esper. Okay. This is getting weird. And now we have <laughs> preceded by acting. So maybe he's the new one while Shanahan was the acting for a little while. It's see you see the problem here. There's mm-hmm. so much turnover. Michael it's Flynn, hard to keep track of. Michael Flynn was the national security advisor. Damn it! That's that's where we're at. Formerly, Jesus, yeah. Jesus Christ. God, and there's so much of it. Like Mike Michael Bolton used to be the defense secretary. Right. I think there was one between the two. Who came before Bolton? Um, oh, what was his name? Was it wasn't Tillerson? Right. No, Rex Tillerson was the Secretary Secretary of State. Yeah, he was the Secretary of State before Pompeo. Mm. Good Lord. And then, yeah, Pompeo came in. Man, who was... So there you go. This, this, if anything, further illustrates the point, even if we don't have all the names correctly, that of all these different offices, they've all had at least one turnover before we've hit the the possible midway point of a two-term presidency, which is... A little bit strange. It's just an, it's a big outlier in terms of previous yes, presidents. Yes, which is For whatever reason, like you said, it's a, that's a podcast on its own. That's yeah. maybe yes. two parter. Yeah, that's a good blog post coming up right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, so anyway, Mark Esper, right? He, mm-hmm. he ended up firing the Secretary of the Navy <laughs> because he attempted he or he offered to attempt to insert himself in the Trident Review Board of Eddie Gallagher to try and make sure that he was able to retain his Trident. Mm-hmm. So, the original allegations, as we were talking about earlier, were, you know, that he had, on more than one occasion, from a sniper post shot, innocent people in, I believe they were talking about it was in Afghanistan that he did that, or some somewhere in the Middle East, so as to, to cover myself. Um, somewhere and, in there. Yeah, somewhere, you know, in one Either of these. east of Iran or west of Iran. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's um, the sad thing, is you could say that, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's one of those conflict zones, isn't it? Yeah. There's yeah. so many fucking many of them. Yeah. Yep. 
And then, uh, of course, the allegation that he was actually found guilty of was, or the crime that he was actually found guilty of was taking the picture with the dead body. Mm-hmm. And then he, you know, sent it and there was conversations and all, all this stuff that surrounded it. Um, and the reason, from what I understand, that he wasn't found guilty of the murder was during the trial, there was a witness who was offered f- not amnesty. What am I? A, a pardon. Immunity. Thank Immunity. you very much. Ooh, all I could I've think, seen Law and Order. I yeah. Think. <laughs> all I could think was protection, which is essentially what it is, but there's, yeah, immunity. So, um, the was offered immunity for his testimony. And when he was testifying, he said that he had killed this ISIS fighter because he plugged up his air, his, uh, his air hose. That's what I, what am I? Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? That, that after he had been stabbed, they were doing first aid because he was bleeding out and he covered up his air tube so that he would die. And so that's why Eddie Gallagher was not found guilty of this murder charge of the ISIS fighter. Oh, um, right. Holy which was God. obviously unexpected, um, until, until it happened at the trial. And so there are still many people, including the original accuser, um, that say that he did do this, you know, regardless of this testimony during the trial, that Eddie Gallagher was the person that killed this ISIS fighter, as mm-hmm. well as doing these other things that he was originally accused of. Um, yeah, so, which automatically, by default, in a judicial hearing of any kind, anybody says that they did something, you're automatically acquitted at that point. It's like, go. well, I'm sorry, There's the jury said these, doubt, right? you're out, right? Yeah. Enough, so enough reasonable doubt that it's mm-hmm. all over, right? And um, apparently, there was conversation before his actual trial of of doing a Trident review board to try and take his Trident away. And uh, Colin Green was talked out of it by, I don't remember who it was that talked him out of it. I mean, probably just from some higher officers, because if he was to show up without a Trident, then it might show some type of bias um, within the system of the military mm-hmm. towards what he had done. Um, so that the jury might think that they were leaning a particular way and it might influence their opinion. Yeah. So they didn't they waited until after the trial or were trying to wait until after the trial to do the trident review board mm-hmm. um which like you said doesn't sound like it's going to happen now yeah. um and i you know at this point that's kind of where the story ends um, yeah and really it's it got really weird because due to the fact that the president inserted himself into this situation the media followed yeah, and has blown this up because mm-hmm. this is not something that the nation should should see. In my eyes, I mean, this you got to understand that you know a career Navy SEAL like that who's been deployed, I think it was eight times. Yeah, something like that. Um, there's like it's a tragic it's a tragedy that it happens and that stuff like that does happen and exist. And if you're even the slightest student of history, you will realize that if if you compare where we're at today and the the war crimes that do happen in today's world compared to the war crimes that took place in any conflict, the firebombing to this Dresden, point. Germany, and yes, the, you know, the, right. and even in right. Vietnam, yeah. you know, yeah. it, this is this is something that happens during war, and I don't. Like I am real hard pressed to cast too much shade on this guy. I don't I don't want to do that because he has had a lifetime of living in, in really terrible, you know, mm-hmm. combat zones and is yeah. exposed to all this stuff and who knows? There's only one person, there's a very select few people we'll say that can understand how he can relate in that situation. What his mental state might have been, you know, you 
Can you imagine eight deployments in combat zones as a no. SEAL, the guys <clears throat> doing the work? I I don't want to fault him too personally on that. There is a a military judicial system set up to handle these things, which would have done something, which would have all gone through without the press's attention if the president didn't insert himself into the situation. And it would have gotten solved. Nobody would ever would have heard about it. Who knows what would have happened? You know, I have a feeling that, you know, he probably would end up losing his trident at that point, but you never really know. And I just, I just don't think it's, it's weird. It's a really kind of, it's a, it's a gray quagmire of diciness to start throwing shade into this situation in my eyes, because I am not going to, I have no concept of what that dude has been through and how many of his friends have been brutally fucking murdered by these people that fight against them. And he has one of, you know, it's, it's a human situation that does happen. You can't stop it from happening. It's not good when it happens. We don't endorse it when it happens, but you know, we do pride ourselves now on having a professional military that doesn't fall prey to that kind of things, but we're all still fucking human. So it's really, it's a really weird situation. And I, it's not good, you know the the secretary the secretary of the navy, um, Mr. Spencer, formerly now, um, you know I, he talks about that that good order and discipline being lost and stuff like that in his resignation letter, and that is you know unfortunately, the military judicial system is not forgiving in a lot of ways, and when you have career soldiers that might end up getting in these situations, it's handled pretty harshly usually. You know, and if there's, you know, and if you lose your trident pin right at the end, it's like maybe they'll do that officially, and then on the way on the way out the door and stuff like that, the whoever the hell's leaving the tribunal might, you know, give you a handshake and give you your pin back or something. You know, who knows? Mm-hmm. The military is a very <sighs> weird place, and these people that basically live in these life or death combat zones. I mean, it's it's really how do I put it? It's hard living in the civilian world to cast, to even pretend like you can understand what those people go through. And it's hard to, to put our, our moral judgments yeah. on those people that live through those. Still, it does in a way mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's an important question for me. And for, first though, I think that not always, well, actually, you know what, what I will say first is that uh, later on, we're going to talk about a lot of companies that I work with and mm-hmm. for and whatnot. And I should say that my really opinions excited. right now are my own opinions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyone else's. Absolutely. I, I disagree with a lot of people all the time on stuff, people that I work with every day. So, and this um, is a place you should feel comfortable to say whatever you want. I'm this a gun. Yeah. It just absolutely. Whatever you want is totally fine. Cool. Don't can worry I, about, I can't uh, break anything though. Right. I can't like, no, don't uh, break anything. Colin likes all medicine. this stuff. It's a if very well designed right studio. There, so people would be like, you could go viral. but i I think in a lot of ways anger creates war crimes anger and uh and being forced into a traumatic horrifying experience um and different units uh you can look at different units in history and see that units that are exposed to more of those horrors tend to accumulate those issues yeah and and you know, Dan Carlin in Hardcore History mentions that uh, <laughs> speaking <laughs> my language, <laughs> that uh, the distance a person is away from the person they are killing yeah. changes them differently. There are people who drop bombs that ha- on multiple people or artillery who who fire from miles away and take lives 
they are affected differently than someone who's right in the middle of the thick of it. Mm-hmm. And, and that, it, you know, like just to create this idea that, uh, these things happen out of this weird meshing of horrifying experiences. Um, this reminds me of Abu Ghraib. Abu Ghraib, back when uh, it was in Afghanistan, it was very soon after 9-11, very soon after the invasion of Afghanistan. Abu Ghraib was a, a prison uh, that housed Al-Qaeda and I believe Taliban leaders. Um, and they were the, – the troops that were there were taking pictures of themselves uh, with these people <clears throat> doing – you know, holding uh, – like being shocked or – uh, in strange positions or in, in precarious. Stripping them naked. Yeah, stripping them like naked that, yeah. and whatnot. And, and once you take a picture, and this is something Jocko Willink said on his podcast one time, which was amazing. He said, uh, you, uh, you take that picture and you create enemies. Yeah. That's the worst thing Gallagher did is he posed with that kid in a picture and he created enemies that we are going to be fighting for at least 20 more years. Yeah. Yep. And. And I, this is the answer to the question I was going to ask you because you're right. The only reason this is in the nation's eye right now is because Donald Trump jumped in. And anything yep. Donald Trump does, um, the media follows. Yeah. It's like, uh, I, I would say at least most. Um, especially something that's inherently controversial in itself. You yeah. know, they'll follow anything he says, but if this is already a controversial mm-hmm. thing as it soon bleeds, as anyone, if anyone yeah. finds out about this as it is, you know, yep. if you happen to read the Navy Times or whatever, you know, then you're going to read about this and be like, well, that's kind of fucked up. Like, you know, I don't, maybe don't agree yeah. with this, but, Speaking of the but Navy as Times. soon as, right, but as yeah. soon as the president <laughs> talks about it, then everyone is going <laughs> to yep, know exactly. about it. Yeah. Uh, so my question for you <clears throat> is, you are the president of the United States. Uh-huh. Do you jump in? Hard no. Okay. It's not your place. Now, unfortunately, you need to let – and this is Trump's biggest downfall is he does this with everything. He feels like he wants to run the, the company. Yeah. Whereas in a normal CEO role or in a normal executive leadership role, you do not ever insert yourself into the day-to-day, ever. But he likes to do that because he's a micromanager who likes to make himself feel important and mm-hmm. and, and lead in the way he thinks that is. And yeah, no, he should never have inserted himself. If he wanted to, if he wanted to look into this and he wanted to pardon the guy and all this good stuff, there's, you can do that on the DL, even as Trump. You can do that on the DL. This whole thing could have happened if you didn't tweet about it, yeah. you didn't talk about it. Mind you, he does have such a leaky, leaky administration. It may have come out. It's bad, but there would have been a right way to do that. If he wanted to do that, but as the executive, I think, no, this, your military, you have a judicial process laid out for it to work and run on its own. You have a secretary of the Navy who is in your cabinet, who you, you can communicate with and he can communicate to you. And then underneath him, there's a whole chain of command and a whole bureaucratic, you know, spider web that is built to handle this situation. You do not need to get involved here. Right. So, <clears throat> so, so something where, you, yeah, that's where I be. Thank you. So something you said to their con was you were saying that you didn't want to really pass judgment on this guy for the things that he had done. Right. And I think that it's very fair for all the reasons that you stated, right. That as mm-hmm. that we've not experienced the things that he's experienced. I think it's fair that as, as standard civilians, we don't really want to pass judgment on someone like that, yeah. but it's, is it wrong? Yes. Mm, but I also, but, I, but I think that it's important to know that it's, 
It's the people that served with him that were over there that reported these things. They're the ones that said that it was inappropriate, that Uh said that it was out of the ordinary and that he shouldn't be doing those things, right? And not just as someone who was the same rank as them, but who was their commanding officer, you know? Oh, yeah. He's he's their superior. And so that's part of the reason that they reported these things, right? So Mm -hmm. it's not – certainly we can sit here and talk about how we feel about it, but but it wasn't us that was – that was or a civilian that was dictated. It wasn't a reporter who was no. there that saw it and said, that's really fucked up. He shouldn't be yeah. doing that. It was people that were serving with him that probably that right. That probably haven't done the same amount of time or the same things that he did, but they still were there. They've yeah. still done at least that one tour with him. Who you do know? they report that to? If it's their superior officer, who do who usually who do you go to? I mean, in the seals, who knows? But you, you probably sh- go to whoever your boss's boss is. Okay, you just right. skip one just level right of the chain. Which right. Um, I've had to do on occasion, which is that's dangerous. Not fun to get yeah, into. Not at all, man. That's I mean, and you when you're no, you're fucking right. Mm-hmm. But I will say, like on that note, yes, that did happen, and somebody did report it, and it should multiple have gone people, through, and it should have gone through this process untainted. Yeah, and who knows what the outcome would have been? Maybe there's a good old boy system built into it, and you never know, man. As a seal who served for twenty years, he might have saved America's ass a hundredfold. Before this one and, thing happened. And I'm not... How much can you... Remove like, the bias from it if you are a yeah. service person sitting and there who and judging. Yeah. And yeah. if, you know, like I said, he's getting out anyways. He's, you know, the military has a way of drumming people out in some fashion if they don't want you there. Yeah. And... Right. Would, so... You know, if this was the case, that would have happened. And whatever would have happened, Trident or no Trident, it's... As far as him getting out of the military, I don't think anything would have changed he would not have been in he might have been asked to retire they might have said if you don't well, he would have been he would have been a lower up. rank yes I and mean, he wouldn't be a chief anymore yes you know because he, he was six. demoted because of what he had done with the picture mm-hmm. what he was found guilty of in the picture yep. and when you're talking about the system that exists in the military right yeah part of that system whether it's whether it's right or not mm-hmm. led to someone saying something different once they had been given immunity than they said before they were given immunity, you know? Yeah. So who knows what's what's the true statement? Because when you're making a statement, you also have to swear that's true and you don't have a hand on the Bible, you know, when you're yeah. talking to to a JAG officer or something like that. But when you're sitting in the courtroom, you've you know, you've sworn on a Bible. So I you you could yep. certainly say that there's maybe a little more weight behind the testimony in the courtroom, you know, but he he also swore at a at a time before that that yeah. That that didn't happen, you know. There was also talk afterwards of, you know, of retaliation discussions from Eddie Gallagher and the officers that serve with him and the other people that serve with him. I mean, that's that's not good, you know. No. That's very not good. I mean, when you have people that that are doing what they think is their job, right? Is reporting something that they think is not fitting of a service member, yep. and they're now looking at possible retaliation for being essentially a whistleblower, right? For things that they don't think are, are correct, right? And yeah. that's again, that's not me that's judging that. That's another service member, multiple service members that mm-hmm. said they don't feel that that's behavior fitting of a Navy Chief SEAL. Yep. <clears throat> and I would have liked this process to. to- have gone through without any outside interference and it would have handled itself. And regardless of not of whether he kept his trident, which is like the big story that this whole thing's been revolving around is whether or not he's getting out with full honors and all this thing or not, but it would have been handled. I have faith in the mil the military judicial system is very black and white. 
Yeah. You did it or you didn't do it. Punishments, on the other hand, get a little iffy. But, you know, it would go down on his record. It would be there. He'd found guilty, done, you know, and then you did whatever your punishment was. It would have resolved itself in yeah. a, you know, quote, unquote, legal fashion. But, you know, I like I said, I just – I not willing to – like, it's bad. We've talked about it before. We've said yeah. it before. It is bad. The whole thing is bad. But am I going to let it ruin my day? Am I going to, you know, think that he's a total piece of shit? Right. I'm just going to kind of go, okay, well, that's – I mean, it sounds callous and stuff. And I'm like, Man, that's no. pretty shitty, but – you know, no. It, I mean, it'll get handled. I feel it. I already told you. I mean, I don't. I've obviously that this. Some, if if any if any of these things other than if any of these things are true, right? That's sick shit, right? That's mm-hmm. that's that's sad, right? It's it's fucked up. But I also am sitting here telling you that I'm going to continue to call him Chief Eddie Gallagher because that's the rank that he continues to hold in the military. You know, no. I have. I find myself in a very strange position, right, where I have high enough respect for the people who serve in the military and our military as a whole that he has done enough time and done enough shit for our country that I feel he still deserves my respect to call him Chief Eddie Gallagher as mm-hmm. long as he maintains that that title, you yep. know? And if, but if even, even if he did get demoted and, and his demotion held, right. I would still call him, you know, Petty officer, first class, Gallagher. Right. But you I, know, you know, but I still, at the end of the day, think is. that even if it's just the picture, you know, the only the thing that he was actually found guilty of that's true, like that's that's still kind of fucked up, you know. Yeah, I understand is supposed to kind of hold the role of like being above shit, like because the world you know? sees you, the right. world sees what yep. you post, what you right. the pictures that you take, the and and we're supposed, you know, we the, the world sees our our democratic debates, you know, right? They see how we handle our oh, process. I yeah. know that hurts. Well, I see Democratic Republican, all the debates. God. The world's like, okay, so this is how democracy is run with a commercial break every five minutes yeah. to advertise for the, the prescription. I like promise, Big world, that's not really us. <laughs> they say 30 it's seconds, but talk yeah. for two minutes. <laughs> Hopefully, there's some wavelength, you know, in some uh, TV or radio in Pakistan that's yeah. listening to us right now. And a translator it's or two. Definitely not in Iran that cut the internet off. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's a tough one, man. It's it's a weird it's a weird area for people to to kind of you know, it's a weird quagmire to to wander into. I mean, I would have liked it if it's just we, nobody knew about it, and it just was handled. Yeah. Because regardless, you don't want people in the military posing with dead bodies. It's no. We're better than that. Right. You have know, to be. You know, whether or not we like it if we are if we are still involved in the global you know, conflict zones around the world. Like we need to at least act professional. Yeah. And I mean, we can't have any blemishes at all because it's already kind of on a fucking razor's edge. I mean, Mm -hmm. you got to be over there. You got to be clean, Yep. but unfortunately humans are humans and it's going to happen. So it's, it's weird sitch. It's a weird sitch. A weird sitch. And that's your soundbite. Sound of the street soundbites. Why not? <laughs> we've got two or three little ones that we start the show with. Nice. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. We've got a nice opening theme theme that was done by a local rap group called Upper Left. Yes, I know. So, I, I yeah. love that man. Yeah. I could tell because he's I'm like, where did they get this rap song that drops Salt of the Streets by name? Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. It's sick. They did a <laughs> that fantastic job. Yeah. Flows too. Just, yes. just feel important. Yeah. 
Yeah, what's the, what's the rapper's name? Micaiah. Micaiah. Yep. Mac Rays is Mac Rays. is uh, is with the name that he raps under. But the, yeah, the group is the Upper Left, just Upper Left, not the Upper Left. Upper Left. Um, they make really good music. Um, so uh, Denzel Two AM does most of the singing, um, and then I RJ. Yeah, or Denzel's it's it's fucking incredible his voice. Mm-hmm. Um RJ and then Elijah does some rapping and then also Micaiah. So mm-hmm. yeah. They're That's fantastic. Cool. And they make like most of their own music as well. They produce yep. most of their own music. Micaiah actually made that beat. So yeah. 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 I majored in music production. That's what I got my bachelor's degree in. Really? And, yeah, I did. And so that's what what's really cool is that the technology again we talked about Patreon and Kickstarter a little bit earlier yeah. privatizing and stuff like that. It used to take ten thousand dollars and a label to get in the studio, yeah. and now it takes a laptop and a microphone. Yep. And laptops come with a microphone almost yes. always. So uh, all of a sudden, the power is back in the hands of the creators, and so oh, you yeah. get people like that who can make their own tracks and help their own podcasts and stuff like yeah. that. And so there's this now this whole wave of independent completely independent content of right. people oh, to yeah. uh, express their their beliefs their music uh, all of it their right. knowledge it's uh, it's 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 one of the benefits it's one of the the boons with the uh, technology technological revolution there oh, is yeah. no shortage of you know the new breed of soundcloud rappers that people that get famous off no putting music on soundcloud yeah. and it just is good enough that enough people find out about it and share it that they get assigned to a rap label like you're yep. saying it's just yep. it's that easy you if know? they do that like that's right they don't even need to do that half time you start right. a patreon some kind of subscription thing you just Start putting your music out. I think I don't know how Spotify works, but like eventually, I'm sure there's some Easy kind of to get payout. On Spotify. We're on Spotify. fucking Spotify. Yeah, yeah I know. Like I yeah. see no Spotify money yet. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Even if, if there's some kind of threshold, penny fractions. Like we're not sending you a check because <laughs> <laughs> it's per listen. How yes. many times are people going to listen to your podcast more than once on Spotify? Uh-huh. And the fucked up thing is, compare that to the numbers that Twitch puts out. For people that get 15 to 20 regular subscribers on Twitch, you still get a paycheck every month. What? Yes. Because once you, I mean, you got to hold this certain level. Colin, of why aren't we on Twitch? We could be doing this podcast on Twitch if you wanted to. Well, so next time, whoever upgrades their phone next. There you go. Then we'll have another phone. <laughs> we'll have one recording their YouTube video and one that's live streaming to Twitch. There's, I'm sure and there's we'll an app you can get some, that would allow you to, to do, do both. both yeah. I would like to I'd think like eight cameras. They make a <laughs> they make a device called a TriCaster that yes, allows you do. to do such a thing, <sighs> but those are expensive as balls. Yeah. So, and honestly, yeah. all we really need to do that again, thanks to the modern age, like you don't even technically need a TriCaster. We have, I can, I mean, for the most part, we can run it off a of voice meter. We, through that. a computer banana just, and all i need to do is banana. get another fucking beefy pc and then we'll be fine interesting and we'll totally do that we will stream on all sorts of things that's kind of cool cool it's totally cool it'd be sweet cool, it's cool. a good thing that you like <laughs> computers yeah. because i fucking hate computers yeah. i can't stand I, it i know it's that's cool. why this is such a terrible laptop because i'm like i don't even give a fuck it's like <laughs> it gets doesn't google, work bro. i'll just use my phone i don't give a shit do i get google do I get Google on this computer? That's I, all I got matters. a tattoo yesterday, and the artist, I, I went in there, and I, it was the first time I saw the design, and I got I asked to make a change, and he got on his phone and made the change with a stylus, because every piece of the tattoo was a different layer, and I was just like, 
Man, that's fucking cool. I, I was a millennial. Why, why don't yeah, I know right? what's going on? That's cool. <laughs> we're like the problem is is we're cutting edge millennials. Mm-hmm. We're on that first few years. Yep. So we still feel detached from our own generation. Yep. We can't connect with with Gen X, and we can't connect with the the newer millennials. Mm-hmm. We're just kind of like this weird little with a gray bridge area. a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, and we're like part boomer almost at this yeah, point. Yeah. Shit. I really I want the. Really want the phone that opens up like this, you know, to an oh, even bigger screen. So that has a stylus too. That would, cause yeah. that would be helpful for that type of shit, you know? So it would be. I would way rather take notes off of a larger phone in my hand. Like I don't want to carry yeah. on an iPad, you know? Mm-hmm. But if it could be, if it could be a phone like this that I could then flip open and then just write shit in with a stylus, I would way yeah. prefer that. Like I would like that a lot. Well, there's a problem. At this I love my... your notebook. I just oh, love that notebook so much. Thank you. It's a uh, solid my grandma notebook. got it for me, um, for Christmas. My family inscribed on your phone thing like with a stylus there's i like to think of it as like the you know how in robotics there's that uncanny valley term they use that the difference between like crossing the uncanny valley or the uncanny valley is like where they can make a in today's world, mostly, the sex robots actually look more human. Right, 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 so that right. You, okay, you can tell there's something wrong with them because they don't cross that, you know, yeah. that threshold. Is that like the uh, what's that test? Turing test. The Turing test, right? Similar yes. to that, right? Kind of, yeah. But yeah. this is in like for theory. looks, right? This is yeah. just for looks. This so, uncanny valley. When you look at one of them, sex valley. dolls, you know, the real dolls or whatever, they're insanely realistic, but right. they're they don't look human. Right, they're starting to get too close to that uncanny valley where it's really uncomfortable. It looks like a human, but you know it's not. But, yeah. <laughs> but I think there's something to that with the rest of technology. We we did okay. <laughs> I'm with, so like, excited for this. W- when it first came out with the e-readers, you know, where you okay. can sit there and you can read your books and the Kindles like and whatnot. A, yeah. yeah, and they have them that are like paper white, so it's kind of this weird off-whiteish little thing. Right, it looks more right. And then when you do this, like the page corner turns with you and all that. It's we, easier to read outside the off-white ones. Yeah. Yes, and. But we haven't gotten there yet with re- taking notes on a in, on a glass surface. Like no. it doesn't feel like it does when you f- when you write something down. Right. We need to get there. Needs to be something. We need to get to that Some threshold texture. where it, it almost feels the same. Like to the point where it, you can't almost distinguish it from writing on paper, and then everyone will adopt it. But right mm-hmm. now, it's just you know you write on them fucking signature things on on the credit card machines. Right. Like, yep. The pen slipping and yeah. sliding around you all over the place. Write, yeah. You cannot yeah. sign Everyone's signature that. looks the same. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, okay. okay. I don't even try half the time. It's My terrible. signature is basically a heart monitor. Beep. <laughs> hey, mine too. Jordan makes we fun of We should not for say this <laughs> on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Good luck. I What's your say, social security yeah. number? Yeah. Well, might as well just there. give them the whole thing. You won't be able to buy anything good. Five, five, five. I have a kid. Oh, there's nothing in this glass. That's highly disappointing. That's sad. Oh, <sighs> you want me to reach over? I got the reach here. If I oh yeah, the six foot. How tall are you? I'm six foot eight. Six foot. No eight. shit. I am. Yeah, yeah. I feel nah, small. Maybe not. Six four, and I feel small. What do you want? Blue that or green? A, just whatever you can reach. Blue or green? It's a it's a surprise. Glass. I can get up too. I, <laughs> okay. I was actually about to go around the side. Oh, I got it. The, I got the it. whole the physics of this whole ordeal is getting way too complicated. Thank you, sir. Can I try a green? Is that yes. okay? Because I, I tried yeah. green. Thank you so much. <laughs> you want to load up that shotgun? <laughs> yep. I want that hat. I just gave Colin a down. Oh yeah, the Panama oh, hat. The Panama. I love that. From Ecuador. Really? Actually, well, yeah. Which is actually the. It's a little. It's a weird little tidbit of like trivia here. The Panama hat is not actually from Panama. 
Oh. It originally was designed and created in Ecuador Excellent. for the workers of the Panama Canal, hence the name Panama, Panama hat. hat. But the true home of a Panama hat is from Ecuador. Nice. So I am like- I am studying Latin American studies in school right now, so I'm gonna take I'm gonna take that information to my professora. Oh. And uh hopefully and be I'm the not star full of, the of class. shit. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> no, well, but I, no. do, I do need to know that because we are gonna go out to the East Coast for Christmas and go see the Weiss family. And that's where that fact toyed came from. And they're all from Ecuador, so they might just have confirmation bias. Oh, that, no, that sounds like a, uh, a, a legitimate source. Yeah. yeah people definitely. from Ecuador. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Carolina's pretty rad. Surprised. She's surprised. She's the one that Twitch streams all the time, Little Miss Ecuador. That's right. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the Twitch girl. She's over here making that money, playing some video games. Word. So, speaking of games, games. yeah, Ooh. Michael Barker. <laughs> We're calling. We're getting good. Games. <laughs> I love how you start with the heavy stuff to really weed out the weak. To yeah. get to like, oh, if you want to have fun, you got to work for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what it is. I'm I'm sitting here looking at the Onyx Path Publishing website. Great company. Yeah. And this is a company you you write freelance for. Freelance for. So I, I and I'm I'm relatively new at it. Uh, okay. Owned by Richard Thomas, I believe, is a creative director, and he's uh, a great guy. Uh, great developers. Uh, basically, they're they're known in part for writing monster books. So you, oh, you might have okay. heard like Vampire the Requiem. It's always like Monster the subtitle. There's <laughs> Werewolf the Forsaken, uh, Changeling the Dreaming, which is that's actually not their uh, property, but like uh, uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, I've written for Werewolf the Forsaken. I wrote uh, in their new Night Horrors book, Shunned by the Moon. I wrote some like body snatcher creatures. Uh, oh, I, I should probably say I write tabletop role playing games. Right. There so I was going to say they're games, right? They're, these and are games. So similar to, but not exactly like Dungeons and Dragons. Exactly like Dungeons yeah, and Dragons, so. but maybe some different mechanics. Yeah. Like the idea is like, uh, I don't, if you, if you're a listener and you have no idea what I'm talking about, uh, there are dice that are not six sided. There are four-sided dice, six-sided, eight-sided, ten-sided, twelve-sided, twenty-sided, and and beyond, depending on the game that you're going for. All for different shit. All for all for different shit. D and D uses the the twenty-sided die predominantly, uh, while the Onyx Path stuff uses the D10 predominantly, oh. the ten-sided die. So you roll all these D10s. And really, uh, what that does is change up the the statistical outcomes of sure. these particular role-playing games. Because right? they okay, so I'm going to be good for this because I've never played any of these games before, oh, nice. not even once. So all of the different sides of the die resemble different options for whatever you're rolling them for right is that correct so so usually um and this is just a basic uh i'm so excited for this usually you roll a die and your objective is to get more than a certain number okay so like if something if you're gonna like let's say you want to jump over a a four foot chasm that's pretty easy you could when you start running you could do that so you have to roll a d20 and get higher than an eight maybe okay which is you know statistically easier to especially when on your character sheet you have like you're good at jumping so you have a plus four to your roll oh okay yeah um i already want to play a game yeah right (laughs) i already want to play a game let's say there's a chasm that's 10 feet okay now you have to roll higher than a 16 so it makes you think like, okay, do I really want to try to jump that chasm? Do I really, no. do I think that I or should? Or can I try and find another way around? Exactly. Or maybe or I should like take a rope and use, instead of using strength to jump, I'm going to use my dexterity to try to like tie it around 
like lasso some sort of like stone on the other side and swing my way. And across. so it's the things the things that you write are whether or not I can throw a rope or I have to jump or like is that always an option to try and do something else or is it like you have to jump? Nope. In this you- game, there's with a good game master, someone who is running the game, the arbiter of the game, basically the rep. They serve as referee and also kind of the creative director. They tell you what you see, what you experience. Because all of this stuff happens in your mind for the most right. part. Right. I remember you guys talking about that. I listened to like two episodes of your podcast, yeah. the, the Roll Up and Die podcast. Roll Up and Die, podcast. Up and yeah. die so which I is a, to- an, a hilarious pun that no one will get. Yeah. <laughs> um, <and laughs> because so I, dice or die. Right. And right. you roll up a character. Roll yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I listened to a little bit of that and I listened to you guys talking about <laughs> like <laughs> about being a good game master. Yep. And your co host, what is his name? Uh I have there's Matt from A Fistful of Dice is his YouTube channel, and there's Alex, who's aka Captain Gothnog. Word. Ooh. Word indeed. Word. So I think that it was Matt um on you guys just put out a new episode like the other day, right? So we actually just put out one. It was our first one in maybe over a year. Yeah. Because it, we had a bit of a hiatus because of other stuff that maybe we'll talk so about. So it wasn't that one I listened to, but the one before that. Um mm-hmm. and that I was listening to and you guys were talking about being a good game master and that mm-hmm. your ghost was good at setting things up and not like forcing you to feel a certain way, but yes. allowing you to feel something by just setting up the scenario in a good enough way that you're like, oh, that makes me feel this way. Yeah, exactly. Um, which uh-huh. I thought was really interesting. What's your dream job? My dream job? Yeah, your dream job. Like you choose right now. As of right now? Oh, if I could do anything in the world, it would be to do this, but for for like my job. Would okay, be but to- like, okay, so like podcasting job. I mean, to be like a news host, essentially, to be to have a daily show for like an hour where we broke down the day's news. Okay. You know? Where would you live, per se? Like, how would you, uh, if you could live anywhere, would you live on the water with like a boat? Would you, how Not would you get in to work? A would you helicopter to, to work? No, would I would you? drive, you know? You have, what, <laughs> drive. what kind of car would you drive? Oh, I would drive like a really nice truck. Oh, really? Like a, yeah. Okay, what's a really nice truck? Are we talking Ford Raptor? Are we talking If Elon I had all Musk? the money in the world, I would drive a Ford Raptor. Elon Musk yeah. Tesla truck? Am uh, I the only person in the world who loves so the design no, no, of that truck? No, no, no. I don't think they look bad. I don't think they look bad. They're, they're all they're right. They're interesting. Um, it looks like a yeah. Halo Warthog, and I'm like, what's It does. It, it does. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm it, biased no. because that outside is a truck. That yes. doesn't look like a truck. It does all the no. things of a truck. Right, but it doesn't look like a <laughs> but truck. But it looks like a – it's looked like my Ford F-350 – Fucked a DeLorean. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. Yes. Yes. I have, I have a Honda Ridgeline, which is technically a truck, but yeah. it's really an SUV. It's got that yeah. little it's got slant the thing the in the back. Scooby things on the back. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's cute. Yeah. So if I had a bunch of money, yeah, I would buy a Ford Raptor because they're – or like a Nissan Titan. I really like a Nissan Titan. You know? Okay. Well, listen. Which, this so, is your fantasy, so we're going to yeah, give you a so, Nissan Titan here. Right. Do, you, uh, does, do you have a coin? Yeah, I can find one. Go ahead and find a coin oh, for me. Actually, oh, I have oh, We got a quarter. Oh, Perfect. So okay, I say so I have like a challenge coin in my wallet. What's what's your route look like when you're driving to work? Oh, it's to like this dream job as like, a podcast. Oh, oh, I mean, it would be nice for it to just be like a highway, you know, for highway. most of the way. Yeah, because I'd like to live kind of in the woods, you know. So if nice. it was, yeah, so if it was like a snaking highway, yeah, yeah, and then eventually I got to come into. Like the edge of town this for us to town. have our. And you know, I would say probably studio. once you get to like the edge of town, that's when traffic starts picking up. That's yeah. when it becomes less fun to drive. So you really enjoy just like tearing through these, uh, these corners. Yeah. Um, but you are okay. So you're driving and you're like, you know what? Screw these lanes. I don't need lanes. But then you see someone doing the same thing you are going the other direction towards you. Yeah. And they're in the middle of the road. Um, what do you do? 
I would get in my lane and honk my horn a bunch of times. All right, so you get in your lane and you honk your horn. Maybe take my gun out. <laughs> maybe, saying. maybe that's <laughs> maybe. Okay, so here's the deal: you get in your lane and you honk your horn. You're gonna roll. You're gonna flip this coin. Oh, geez. and if it's heads, something happens. If it's tails, something okay. else happens. Heads. Okay, so this person starts swerving. Because they hear your horn. The, the yeah. horn is heard. This oh, Ford Raptor's got a nice horn. They start swerving away from you. So you're safe. But their car, what kind of car is it? Oh, I mean, they're probably in a truck too. You they're know. in an Elon Musk truck. <laughs> they're, they're in a self-driving Elon Musk truck. So the windows truck. are going to break, but yeah. it'll be okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. You know what? It starts oh. flipping. The windows break, as you said. And um, do what do you do? Do you stop to help this person after they're, you know, coo, 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 coo. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. So you run up to their person and I definitely take my gun out just in case. (laughs) There's a person in the driver's side and they're bleeding, uh, and you see what looks like maybe a child in the passenger seat. Oh, fuck. What do you do? I'll go for the kid first. Okay, you take the kid and they, they look like they're fine. Um, uh, do you, do you, uh, where do you put them? I put them in my truck. Okay, so you bring them back to the truck, you go back. Um, you're, I assume you go back to help the. Yes. The yeah. Person, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a bad game master for telling the character what he did. This is his job. This is perfect. Uh, okay. So here's the deal. If you, you flip that coin again, if it's heads, you succeed in saving this person with CPR. But here's the deal. Because you rescued the kid first and took that time to take them back to your truck, you have to roll heads twice in a row. Oh, cause I waited too because long. Because you gave, you waited a little bit of time. That makes sense. Heads. Okay. All right, here All we right. go. So we're Here's looking okay. And if I roll tails, is Donovan's this time, decision going to kill somebody? Yep. If I roll tails this time, I don't get another chance. I only get two chances. Yep. Chest compressions are going. You're starting. Fuck. And dead. He flatlines. It's over. The and that kid grows person. up an orphan. Thanks to Donovan. So this that we just played a role playing game. It's usually not. But as they're alive. You know. Or at least, <laughs> but at least they're alive. At least they're alive. The kid's alive. You save the kid. Um, that's, I'm, not, an, I'm yeah. not an EMT. I'm a podcast host. It's not. Yeah, I don't, yeah exactly. Yeah. That wasn't my dream job. <laughs> Although if you had chosen EMT as your dream job, it would have been basically the same scenario. <laughs> so this is a car accident. I don't get like a plus four opportunity or something for it because, <laughs> oh, <I'm yeah>. <laughs> because you've podcasted a lot about uh, realistic things such as being an EMT. Or I can help them. I can at least help them pass on with reality. I'm like, it's mm-hmm. all right. You know, you're gonna die. Yeah, but it'll be okay. Maybe you like, adopt the kid. It'll be okay. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe you adopt don't. the kid. It's like, what do you yeah. mean it's a fucking okay? I got like, kids over there. <laughs> like, I got a, but I, kid, but I saved him. But I saved him. I got it. It's all right. That's a role playing game. We just played a role playing game, but like you. Uh, Tabletop role-playing games become a little bit more complex when you add more numbers to it. You add dice instead of flipping a coin. But Much longer, obviously. Yeah. And there are tons of different types of games. There are games I've seen where you play rock, paper, scissors with the GM to, to see if you succeed. It's really? Just, yeah. It's, it's They're more goofy and more simple when you get in that direction. There are games when you roll whole handfuls of six-sided dice and you have to separate them out and such. Um, but yeah, I write stuff for Onyx Path. I'm currently uh, – I just helped write – Mummy, the curse where you play as a mummy that's just risen from the dead and you have like ultimate power to pull down meteors from the sky and stuff. What? Yeah, I yeah, saw that on their, their Monday meeting news. Yes. My mummy done told me talking about that game. Me. They're so creative. They're a creative team with creating these blogs. It's so um, interesting, man. They have podcasts. The Onyx Pathcast is great. Um, the other stuff that we do is because Wizards of the Coast, who develops Dungeons and Dragons, uh, is generous enough to allow uh, to create the open gaming license, which means that I can write any book I want 
basically using their rules, their wording, their terminology. And all I have to do is put that open gaming license in the back or front of the book. And I don't owe them anything. I can, you know, sell it. People can. That's really cool. It. It's really cool. That's and really it helps cool. them get customers. Because yeah, someone absolutely. Looks at my book and they think, well, I need to get Dungeons and Dragons now. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so that's mainly what we do at absolutetabletop.com. We create scenarios, adventures, game mastering advice for people to, uh, use. We have like 21 supplements right now. Um, that people can and by supplement, I mean, mean book. Yeah, book. That's what PDF. they're called. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Not like base, GNC. It was like, like that uh, was a big shift from yeah. books to fucking pills. But got, all right, let's hear about it. We got nitrous oxide. <laughs> yeah. So, like uh, an example of that would be like writing a an adventure within the Dungeons and Dragons universe. Is that a sure. supplement? Sure. It's and we you, we even create our own universes, our own worlds and such. So like um there are games where you can play in Middle Earth, like Tolkien, there's a Lord of the Rings book here. Yeah, yeah. You can buy them on PDF form. Yes, that you can get so the digital form. You can really and then just print them out. Yep. Well, yeah. And if you get the real book, you get the PDF for free. That is so well. wild. Oh why I care so- Sweetheart, we would like you to meet uh, my new best friend, Michael Barker. Michael Barker, nice to meet you. That's his full name. That's his whole name. You have to call him Michael Barker. Michael Barker. That's it. Michael Barker. That's it. That's me. (laughs) Jordan's cousin. (laughs) Mucho gusto. Yes. A pleasure meeting you. Nice having you. Likewise. These are actually the godparents to our son, also. Really? So, yes. Indeed. Yeah, these are some of our best friends. Yeah. Proud I'm out of here. <laughs> cool. <laughs> awesome. Family is fun. I, that's what I love. We were talking about Thanksgiving in the pre-show, and I forgot to yes. mention this. But oh, right. We not, didn't even barely talk about it. It's not Thanksgiving unless everything is slightly too cramped. Yes. Oh, yeah. You can't have, like, two people at a small table in a big room and call it Thanksgiving. You have to have, like, a little bit of, like, you're touching everyone while yes. you walk through. And your house just... It's perfect it for it, right? It. Yeah, I think we <laughs> Dude, had 22 had so people. people. I think there are 22 <laughs> people there. Yeah. Man. That was... house can hold l- legally only 20 people. Yes. Right? There's yeah. a fire marshal. Start to get past that. And if a cop year. shows up, yeah, if you get past that, a cop shows up and he's like, yeah, got, you got to go. Someone I'm has to leave. I'm like, surprised the top story to disperse. Yeah. Yeah. This we is a party now, and it's unacceptable. Uh, Dude, okay, so next Thanksgiving, I'm going to do that. And it's like the the friendly version of swatting. Yeah, yeah, You know, exactly. somebody's having a big-ass party, like, uh, fire marshal, there's a fire hazard next door. That's a dick move. I would never do that. On Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ruined. Happy Thanksgiving. That's, that's for that neighbor that allows his dog to shit on your yard. No, that's when we become thankful for our swift first responders. That's who. Right. Immediately re- resort to going to that house and kicking everyone out. <laughs> Thank on, God on for that. On a freezing Thanksgiving night. Thank, Thank God, God for them. Oh, man. And I will just say, as... From Big Bird Offie here, from the whole Salt of the Streets family, thank you to all you first responders out there that made a huge difference yep. for those people that inevitably try to burn down their house on the holidays. <laughs> or try to deep fry Dude. a frozen turkey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's always Man. one. I saw a, a thing on Facebook about some, and I don't remember what, what state it was or anything, but there was, you know, some lady was doing, they were doing Thanksgiving at their house and she had an oven fire. And it all, the whole thing, the whole meal fucking went up in smoke and all the shit. They came, they put out the fire, everything was fine. And like four hours later, they come back, they go back to the firehouse, get their Thanksgiving dinner and stuff that they had oh, made no. and bring it back to the house for that family. No oh, shit. Oh, yes. So that's why every single year when EMS asks for more money, I'm like, Take my money. Like, do Take it. Take my right, money. Please. You guys are too fucking good to Agreed. everybody. Yep. I don't I was, care. I watched live PD like, 
all the time in the morning while I'm at work, just clips and shit on YouTube. And there was one day where apparently I was feeling exceptionally emotional and I watched a clip where there was like an old woman who got robbed at a grocery store and they like took her, they took her whole wallet out of her, out of her cart. And so they took like her EBT card, her food stands card and like all this stuff. And so she couldn't pay for her groceries, you know? And so she's in the manager's office talking to the police officer and, um, Again, the report and everything, and the manager of the store that she was in, Publix. That's where she was at. So, oh, shout out yeah. Publix, the manager of the store. Is that, wait, um, this was in Florida then. This, it's probably was okay, in Florida. Florida. Live PD's on Florida, all the, or Florida's on Live PD all the fucking time. Yeah, so, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so the manager of the Publix like paid for her groceries, you know, and like let her go. And so she oh, was wow. crying, you know, and then I fucking started to cry like while yeah. I'm at work, you know, like I dropped Aww. a tear and I was like, fuck. And then the police officers who were there taking her report bought like a hundred dollars in gift cards for Publix and then took them to her house after they got off work. And I was like, mother fuck these guys yep. crying again. Oh, it was yep. horrible. <laughs> yeah. But it's, yeah, that type of stuff happens all the time, you know, and those are the things that don't get reported reported often enough you know no. they just get f- seen on facebook do you think or some that is shit, do you think that fear and uh, just uh sells more than hope i think because just- i think because sorry i didn't mean to no that's you, but, it that was the question. um i think because you when you watch the news right if you watch your local news you get an hour of you have 47 minutes of scary shit and then mm-hmm. three minutes of a puff piece at the end. So yeah, you yeah, have yeah, yeah. 10 scary stories that lead up to one happy story at the end to make it seem like it's okay. So you're hearing about 10 other things that were all terrible when only one time a day you're going to hear about this good thing when there's probably more, yeah. you know, good oh, things sure. than bad maybe. things that are happening, but it's only the one good thing that's going to be talked about that day. And, and that's what I'm wondering about. Like maybe because money drives everything. Yeah. And so maybe it's just like, listen, we've tried, you know, those hopeful pieces at the end though that's when people turn the tv on right so you know what does that say about us it's well do you remember when i'm very pessimistic i hope we can talk about that we (laughs) we will will. (laughs) when we used to listen to the bbc podcast we would listen to everything but the last 10 minutes because that was a puff piece and we're like who gives a shit like we just want to hear about all the turmoil in the in the whole world but i don't i don't care about the good thing because we were doing show prep and yes yeah yeah we have an excuse right salt of the streets that's right i do remember us saying you know very explicitly one time like i just don't give a fuck about this last 10 minutes of this no. podcast like, especially just, when it comes after the end when you're just like yeah Whew. yeah you're like all right well well this country's going to shit and maybe america too so you know well i guess we'll just see what yeah. happens so yep. fuck well, this happy banana grower in fucking south america somewhere <laughs> exactly yeah actually the banana growers in south america are not happy well we have like one species of banana almost like left in the world the main one that you buy everybody buys at the store is all the same species Mm -hmm. and they're all grown in the same region and they have a problem with these diseases that that these trees yeah yeah okay and they're doing their best to try to solve it but like the only fucking banana trees for the bananas that we all know and love are all in this one area and they're all slightly affected by this disease and Mm -hmm. it could go haywire Yep. Real fucking quick. It's time no to bananas. GMO some bananas. Yeah. And then, I mean, dude, I'll I need GMO bananas. I don't care. My Pretty baby sure. loves bananas. Yeah. Dude, that's yeah. the future. Yeah. 
GMO everything, bro. My cut opinions a, are my own. You cut a banana in half and you cut most of the peel off and hand it to the baby and he just eats the whole thing. <laughs> it's like an ice cream cone. Yeah, he loves it's that like shit. It's awesome. Cone. It's awesome. Potassium. It's good for him. He loves bananas. Yeah, you need it. Without kid, potassium, you get cramps and shit. It's not yeah. good. You know, yeah. he's going to be a football player. He's going to need he's doing those all those squats all the time. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> stretch out those muscles, yeah. man. Got exactly. flexible muscles. Dude, that's like one of my favorite things in the world, though, is your wife's Instagram. You know, it's private, yeah. and she she sends us those videos, and there's Snapchat. so many. Oh, oh Snapchat. Yeah. yeah, that's why I don't get them, and only Carolina does because I don't yeah. believe in the Snapchats. Yeah, yeah. Um, but watching little baby Dax just. Love life all the time, dancing all the time. Awesome, yeah. Dude, I, yeah, I got to hold him for like two hours. I felt like on Thanksgiving. He's such a dope kid. Yeah, he's a it's generally funny. a pretty happy baby. You know, like mm-hmm. unless he wants to eat or wants to nap, he's pretty happy. I, I like excited kids. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's an excited kid. He's always excited. I mean, I might be biased and stuff here, but Dax literally is the coolest baby ever. Yeah, like he's and the smartest like, baby ever. He's he's the most handsome baby. He's ever. very everything smart. on a on an objective level. He is um doing like he's like mimicking, which is something uh-huh. that he's doing early. Like that's something they do closer to a year, and he's just like he's at ten months now. So it's not like super early, you know. But but it's a little bit early that he's been doing a lot of this stuff. He's always like had really good neck strength. He was just a couple weeks old when he was lifting his head up and stuff. Oh, so yeah. he's always been very good at that. And he was speaking really early and doesn't walk because he's just a lazy son of a bitch but he i mean everything else that just has to do with speech and with recognition i mean he's already doing the baby sign language he's doing oh, all yeah. kinds of stuff you know, fish he's, eggs he, fish i eggs. i attribute it to the salmon eggs thank that's, you uh, ron yep. patrick yep that's a real thing i know so, too many babies to participate in this debate there you go so. that's all right it's that's right you know i'm so i'm as objective as i can possibly be but i'm also his dad so yeah. that I'm <laughs> like, he's the smartest baby yeah, the most the smartest baby, baby alive i'm pretty sure genius yeah. baby it's the one area yeah. of your life where you're allowed to not be as objective as you yeah. should be <laughs> but he is he is the yeah. cutest baby alive and that's that's not objective <laughs> yep. but oh he's my God. fucking he's cute, really baby. cute yeah Apparently he has Michael Barker hair too. That's like when I was a kid. I didn't know. I didn't. That's what I've heard. Yeah. So, so the question is: Is when he turns fifty, kid. is it going to be there? Probably. <laughs> I, I, I hope so, um, because it's that's it's, a full head of hair you got. So yeah, but it's supposed to be from your mom's dad, right? And Kevin had lost his hair really early, so yeah. we'll see. You know what we'll the see. deal is, but. My grandpa, when he died, had a full beard and a full head of hair still. So Perfect. I, Your mom's dad? Yeah. Yeah. My okay. mom's dad. My grandpa Hobie. Yeah. I'd love to be one of those guys that gets a sport, sport a chrome dome. Yeah. But like also have a badass beard. Oh, no. That's no, what I, I want. I don't, I don't want, want shiny on head. top and, and dirty on the I want bottom. a full cool. white fucking head of hair and then like a white beard. That's oh, like, yeah. but not of like a Santa beard. You know, I don't want to be like fat or anything. I want to be have like a trimmed white beard that's just you know yeah. like maybe a little bit longer than yours just so it's nice and puffy you know mm-hmm. but then also puffy hair that you mm-hmm. just kind of do the straight slick back you know if my hair wasn't so thick i would consider doing it now because i think it's kind of cool it's yeah like the it's and it's a the hassle TCs. bro it's that a 1950s. yeah exactly <laughs> exactly got that 1950s like italian slick back do you know? Grease and shit. Do you know what I think is really a cool haircut? Have you ever seen the movie Lawless? Shia LaBeouf no. and Tom yeah. Hardy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. the great film. So the cop in that, right? He has the haircut where he has like a a hard part down the middle, and then it's it's super like grease to both sides. You know, mm-hmm. I think that that's pretty the old cool. school pomade. It, it, yeah, mm-hmm. and if it was, you know. 
if it was more appropriate, I would consider doing that. Yeah. But it's like someone took a straight razor to the to the very middle of his head, you know, which fucking it's that might sick. Get, yeah, know? that might get a little white nationalisty these days. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it doesn't carry good connotation. You, you don't have freedom of a haircut anymore, you know? No, no, not at all. <laughs> so let me ask you this, Michael Barker. Um, Thank you. Okay. When it comes to all these books that you take part in writing, um, they come in all types of different themes, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, so, sure. sorry. Go ahead. No. Yeah. We. We. Okay. So the main deals, uh, the main books that we produce theme wise are uh, settings, adventures, and advice. So settings are like you know where do you want to play and where like you know we had that role playing experience and we were playing in Western Washington maybe right. or something like that. But you know like I mentioned there are games where you can play in Middle Earth. You can play, there's Star Wars games, there's Star Trek games. So you're playing in these universes, these alternate universes that you can really get into. And it's kind of fun to play in those like pre-made universes that, you know, we all know and love. Like, like I mentioned, Star Wars is one of my favorite just movie series of all time. So, yeah. um, we create our own, we have our own central world called Arbitron and we have, there, there are little worlds that around, uh, revolve around it. And so we're right now we're putting out a Kickstarter uh, called A Dead Man's Guide to Dragon Grin. Dragon Grin is the world. It's the, it's a world like basically take Middle Earth, but imagine like what if Sauron had won? Okay. What if, the, what if Dark Dark Lord wins? Yeah. and divides up the world, conquers and divides the opposite, right? And then, uh, you know, puts these uh, Lords of Ash, these horrible rulers in power of as governors of each of these regions. And, yeah, yeah. And uh, we're actually in. You can you can pre-order it on AbsoluteTabletop.com, but we're we're putting out the PDF uh, quarter one twenty twenty physical version quarter two twenty twenty, and it's it's that sort of story. So if that's interesting to you, that grim, dark fantasy where you want to play in a world where like heroes are killed. Yeah. You don't want to be a hero. Most D and D happens. We're like, Oh, we're going to be a hero and we're going to rescue the person from the monster. No, here the monsters are your, you know, they're the ones that are enslaving you. Yeah. So, um, I want to be a dark governor. You that could, you can, absolutely can in the book. We actually have rules for it. How do you become one of these Lords of Ash? Uh, we, but we have another world called Aranoth that is very, uh, high fantasy, like yeah. the, the fantasy that you hear and read about, uh, in articles and see in movies. Uh, and my personal campaign setting is called Enkea and it is, um, it's like eight, uh, 18th, 19th century themed D and D. It basically asks the question like, okay, what if, magic were real and how would it flip the bitch on the industrial revolution oh dude have you ever played this old school pc game called arcanum no no that's like it's a very similar concept it's that it's kind of like that steampunky it's magic meets tech i love that genre because the two are always in competition with each other yep and then the world that develops is always this weird mesh of both magic yes. and technology. Steam I'm fucking into cool. that. Cyberpunk is similar, but it mm-hmm. uses technology. But what's that amazing quote? You know, uh, technology. Oh, man, I'm, I'm going to yes. screw it up. But it's like magic and technology are basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, magic is indiscernible from technology to certain people. So um, the uh, – dude, I need – yeah, I need that exactly. I cannot remember, yeah. but I know exactly what yep. you're talking about. It's uh, uh, Clark's. Of course. Yeah. yeah. At one point, magic or technology will be indistinguishable from magic. Yep. Exactly. And basically, a lot of settings don't. I feel don't investigate what magic would do to a world. 
Um, because they're like, you know, oh, it creates an object that can create light. Ooh, yeah. That's amazing. Sting gr- glows blue when orcs are nearby, right? Like, that's cool. <laughs> right. But like, what if you could, what if you could grow whole crops in a single night? Yeah. What would you do with that power? That's power right there. Would you, right. would you give that to the people freely so everyone could or have would you everything? charge for it? Would you charge for it? What if you could make like a magical atomic bomb that could destroy a world, like a Death Star? Uh, and that's what Nkea explores. It basically begs the question, what if the best of us won? What if the good guys took over the world and said, listen, magic is way too dangerous. We're going to stop this war, this magical war that's happening. And we're going to implement these laws that keep people safe from themselves. And then 900 years later, things start to collapse. That's the idea behind that world. So, yeah, that, those are settings. <laughs> no, super, no, no, that's good. No, no. about settings. No, that's good. Uh, we're talking well, about settings, adventures, and advice. So, let me ask you. Sure. Um, I am super into, like, Fallout, like the video game, right? And oh, so, baby, do yeah. they, they make ones that are, like, themed like that? That are Yes. Actually, I think there might have been a Fallout role-playing game. Yeah. I don't know if it got critical reviews, but... Um, one of the worlds we're putting out now is called Kror, which is like, have you ever watched Conan, like the old Conan, the barbarian sort of? I have not. It's no. called sword, sword and Sorcery, but there's like radiation in it. And so it's very similar. But you can, I, I would guarantee there's a Fallout RPG somewhere. Oh, yeah. It's called yep. Wasteland Warfare role playing game. I Works. actually think it's combined. You'd like it because it's combined role playing game and miniature game. That's awesome. I think. What a miniature game? What is a, a miniature game like Warhammer 40k? Oh, okay. It was the, you, yep. Okay. You have figures on a big table and you have terrain and you use like a tape measure. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Move the figs around. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm like, yeah, each yeah. figs can move, each fig can move like a certain distance in mm-hmm. inches. Yeah. It's old school tabletop wargaming. You know, Dan Carlin actually did in his Dude. his uh, his side cast the I uh, love you guys so much. This is, awesome. <laughs> this is exactly what I wanted. Oh yeah, this is perfect. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that was like uh, that was I I want to say probably how it how tabletop gaming started. Yes. the strategy aspect was like agree. you know historic you know nerds like Dan yeah. Carlin stuff. They would. They had these games that would create these rules and stuff, and they'd have these little miniatures reenacting, like, the Battle of Waterloo and all these ancient battles and stuff. And there'd be rules based off of, like, you know, from unit size to how much they can move based on what we know about them in history and all this stuff. And then you assign point values to all this stuff, and it's just – you build up this – it's like a game in statistics. Every tabletop game is – it's a narrative told and acted out through statistics. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? I, yep, exactly. And it's, I mean, everything from my ultimate love, Firefly, has a wonderful Ooh. tabletop role-playing game. Hey, can I, can I break up this friendship that we've got going on? Oh, oh yeah, what's up? Sereni- Serenity's better. It's, yeah, I know. I, I just, no. man. <laughs> my world I love is Firefly crushed. so much. No, that was Serenity a tangible, I felt something happen here. It's Serenity's a complete story, and Firefly yes. was never given that. Exactly. It was never given a complete story. We were story. robbed of that <laughs> back in the 90s. robbed of the story by Fox. Fucking Fox. <laughs> so, you, the also one of the. owned by Disney. So, it doesn't matter. The man. They won't hear about it. So on one of the the podcasts that I was listening to, you guys were talking about a game that you played that was in an asylum. What was what was that yes. one? Yes. Okay. So uh, Alex was running a game for us in a. It's a game called Call of Cthulhu, which oh. is based on a, a 
a writer, long dead writer named H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, yeah, okay. Really creepy, twisted, eldritch yes. horror, like tentacled things and stuff. Yeah, I gotcha. South Park did a good little uh, cameo for about right. a oh. series. series. Yeah. Oh, with the coon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Coon. Okay, yeah, I got yeah. you. Yeah. No, those were Cthulhu seen... characters. Oh my gosh. Okay, well... There it is. It's worth Add it. that one to the list. <laughs> yeah, I always keep a running list of everything I need to watch and see. Uh, because, like, that's that's all in, in writing. If there's anyone listening to this that wants to be a writer, it's all about taking what you see in media and consume in media and adapting it to your own thing. Yeah. But um, call, we were – I was playing – the cool thing about Call of Cthulhu is you're not playing, you know, some – big buff dude with a broadsword or some like sorceress that weaves magic and fires fireballs out of her face or something like uh, you are, you're playing. I played a photographer. I played a photographer whose dad died in world war one. I, I played. <clears throat> so it's almost got like an air of like a noir type. Yes. Feel, the Investigation, whole stuff like that. Uh, I remember like the only time I really rolled an intense die roll was when I was trying to sneak and like snap a picture of someone without them noticing. And it was like, it, it was intense. I don't know. I felt I was like sweating, like, holy crap. Uh, but the, the whole idea is like, what sort of, uh, I can't remember the specific plot line of it, but like, what sort of, um, what's happening at the asylum? Like, what's going on there? Like, what sort of weird, twisted entity has taken over? Right. Cause I remember you talking about there wasn't like a lot of like battling that you were doing. It mm-hmm. was, it was mostly investigating and just kind of a lot of searching and yep. puzzles or not like puzzles in particular, but you know, things mm-hmm. like that mind teasers yeah. and shit that yes. you got to figure yep. out. It's so like good, good, a good thriller, you know, you're turning every page because you want to get to the bottom of this. Yeah. Like that's a way of like a lot of HP Lovecraft stuff is it's like this ultimate, you know, thriller type thing. You know, it's always like somebody's investigating some weird happenings and like, you just, you got to get to the bottom of it. And so you're continuing to turn every page and it's, yeah. it's yep. real. Like I said before, it's like that classic kind of noir style. It's always kind of that, what what era was that? Like the fifties private investigator type. Like there are fifties, like twenties. Yeah, 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 definitely Real dark. You know, oh, man, I don't I'm know. Looking Dick for Tracy type shit. You know what I mean? I'm looking for something because Alex is so good. Because you know, when you're doing a game like this, you um, you can provide props for your uh, your, the players, and so Alex lives in he lives in Maine. He lives in a yurt. In Maine. Really? And Whoa. yeah, and he streams from there. And so he shipped out all of these. He shipped me a picture of my grandfather and he burned it on one edge. And on the back, it said, you know, France, 1917. Like it just like really. He mailed you stuff. shit so he that you could me, like, know letters and shit stuff that I had received so that we wow. could piece all this together. Yeah. So that guy, he's a good game master. That's fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. Is it really like a good game it's master? It's dedication is what it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is. It is dedication. He is dedicated. And a good game master like that, like that's what a good game master really does is, you know, you got a bunch of dudes that live in the modern era and you all sit around this table or on a couch or whatever it is. And a good game master will bring you into that world through how they narrate you through the story, how they guide you guys along through this story. Yeah. And it lets you kind of inhabit another character. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you're sitting down to play an RPG, except the RPG is unfolding through word and you know mm-hmm. your actions and stuff are done through instead of like sitting there you, did you ever play the first not the first but like the main morrowind elder scrolls yeah, yeah, game yeah you know like you when you're really yeah, really nice. young yeah when you first start out in that game young that was weird but you're like you start off low and when you're level. fresh you get level. your first little dagger or whatever and you run over there's a little mug that boat or whatever yeah. thing yeah you sit there and you're stabbing this thing and nothing's happening 
And like once every like that looks really weird. Thank you, YouTube. Um, once every like thirty hits, you know, you'll get a strike. Yeah. That's like the digital version of you sitting there rolling a dice, waiting to get that hit number. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. So you transfer that into just a bunch of people sitting down. Yep. You know, there's some really good podcasts. Rooster Teeth, actually, the guys yes. that made Red versus Blue yeah. and stuff. They have some good. They have some good um, role role playing game things where like people actually come in and like costume and shit, and they all sit yep. down and they play this game over really? a period of three to five hours. It's weird how popular it's becoming because it, it kind of started with Penny Arcade, which was a web comic for so long, and yeah. now, then it turned into something bigger. They do role playing games. The big one that we were talking about at Thanksgiving was is Critical Role. Mm-hmm. They have billboards about right. Critical Role. Yeah. Like it's just, Leif is yeah super it's into so that. Big. Yeah, they made millions of dollars in a Kickstarter to create an animated him. series. It's, it's basically a group of voice actors that teamed up to do a role playing game. Which is the dream, really. So, yeah. That um, is the dream. God. That would be <laughs> sweet. Sorry. Carl's got lots of, of ideas for Salt of the Streets media. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> we're going to do everything, including a lot of charity work. That's so <laughs> hilarious. So I was looking at this, because uh, mostly what you've been talking about the Absolute Tabletop. Yep. But as far as the Onyx Path Publisher, sure. what do you know about this game, Exalted? Okay. Just so, going through there. Oh, I mean, they have like Sacred Lands, Scion. They came from under or beneath the sea. They got a bunch of different their games, but Exalted. I'm just. It sounds epic. So I, I'm sorry to say that that's the game I know least about. I would Damn. say. I know, but it is so epic. I remember I used to work at a gaming store mm-hmm. in Albuquerque, and we we had Exalted on the uh, on the shelf, and I just remember the people playing it. They would roll like fistfuls of these dice, and it they were it was um. I want to say it was like you play a power character. I want to say you play okay. someone that's especially powerful that is like, you know, in, in, in a game like Morrowind in D and D, you play someone who's just starting out, right? Yeah. With the knife and the mud crab. Uh, and in, you go on your hero's journey. <laughs> clink, clink, to yeah, exactly. But in, in Onyx Path, they're like, let's just throw that out the window and make you start as this freaking demigod who can like, pull, again, pull down meteors from the sky or cause plagues across the sands in the desert. Um, <laughs> And so these, uh, they're just experts at that. They're, they throw that stuff out the window. But I, I do recommend people look into Exalted. One of the cool other ones that they do is called Scion, which, it, like I mentioned, demigod. That's all based around playing gods and demigods. And uh, that's definitely, that's just like a different experience. You're looking to step into that role from the beginning versus mm-hmm. start a character from scratch. Yep. You know, you're I like the, build up. the dude just, that shows up at a pub. And you run into like four random ass people who, yep. surprise, surprise, y'all are going to be best friends. Yeah. Ooh, wow. <laughs> That's the worst session. Journey. The worst session is the first one where you have to kind of like, oh, I guess I'll sit next to that person yeah. and ask them what they're doing. No, this game, like uh, if you watch like the Brendan Fraser mummy games, it, oh, well, yeah. I mentioned mummy, the curse early or, uh, earlier, you, you might be like, God, I would just want to play that mummy. I want to be able to freaking like make the sand shred people to pieces. Like, God, for- that sounds good. I can, I can think of a few people that I want that to happen to. <laughs> Tomorrow, I'm actually going to be uh, creating a character. I'm uh, filming a character creation video for uh, Mummy the Curse uh, that you can find on Kickstarter right now, actually. Maybe. I don't know when this is going to drop. but uh, Monday. Monday. She'll Monday. be out on Monday okay. the second. Or wait. Jesus. I can do math. Yeah. Monday the second. There cool. we go. Uh, yeah. There will be, um, I think, two days left on the Kickstarter by Monday. But uh, the... What was it called? Uh, mu- uh, Kickstarter Mummy, the Curse. Oh, you won't oh, find it on that. Yeah, that's on the, the Exile yeah. or the, the Onyx Path. No, I'm, I'm good. That's yours. Uh, yeah, that's freaking awesome, man. 
And that is That's something fine. I'm noticing. I, like these here. smaller publishing okay. brands, like Onyx Path or even Absolute Tabletop, like you guys are creating new content with within some of these built-in worlds or starting new ones, mm-hmm. and you're using Kickstarter to to kickstart yes, it and get it out in the world. Yep. It's a very common thing in that. And the cool thing about indie gaming companies is when one company succeeds, everyone does. Because yeah. it become people like when you find a game like the Black Hack, which is a very small, like old school D and D game, uh, old school like type D and D type game, just in a nutshell. You realize, oh man, I didn't realize something like this existed, and then a whole new world pops up, and you realize that there are tons of these games. Introduces you to a market, yeah, yeah a huge industry behind the industry, so. right. No, that's very cool. How long have you been? Did you already ask you how long you've been doing this? (laughs) Nope. We started in 2015. And uh, so it's going to be, it's been four years. It's going to be five years in September of 2020. And this is your job job or do you do something else too? This is how you support yourself? This this is my job job. And I I did a music production and ran a recording studio for a long time uh, in Moriarty, New Mexico. um, And I have since you know, kind of put that as just hobby stuff and just dove into this as hard as possible. So how did you go from music to writing? It's so funny that, that, that this it's that answer. This answer is going to be so quick that people are going to think this is staged. This is not at all. I didn't, I didn't know this question was coming, but it's funny because I graduated from a university with a, a degree in music production and my, you know, my parents came to the graduation ceremony. My wife was there. Um, and I got a course director's award in creative writing, oh, which is interesting because that was the thing I was really good at. Like I'm pretty good with audio engineering. I'm pretty good with music production. I'm, I'm a pretty good musician, but I love writing and it just comes so naturally. Um, and then one of the guys in absolute tabletop, his name's Tim, uh, Tim Carney is his YouTube channel is tabletop terrors. They, uh, he said, Hey, you guys want to just start writing books? You want to do something with it? You want to like, we're all, we, we actually all had YouTube channels and we just sort of combined forces and said, Hey, let's, let's make some books. Yeah. And so that's how Subscribed. we got started. Nice. Yeah. No, they're good stuff. <laughs> yeah. See, that's always really interesting. Cause I, I started writing, I don't know, a few years ago and I just really dove into, it. I took a creative writing class in high school mm-hmm. and it's just, it's interesting that I think due to this, the future that we live in, the fact that it's, you could basically create, if you have a creative, you know, flair to what you're doing, whether it's talking over a microphone or writing or making videos on the very, very small scale, like you have a career path open to you now that you never had available to you 10 years ago. Agreed. And it's, I don't know. I just, I think it's interesting that you went to school for music and you did this whole thing and you like you said, you obviously found through school that you excelled in, in writing mm-hmm. and then now you're doing that. Yep. You know, and how the life of a freelancer, sure. we'll say, especially in the writing world, have you kind of taken that as like a duck to water? You know, how long did it take <laughs> you to like break into the industry or is it just kind of that, that happy coincidence of like that, that intersection of like tabletop gaming and writing just kind of came together perfectly that that's just kind of where you started. It's a, a mixture of coincidence and hard work. I, I'm going to, oh, yeah. you said Donovan that I can say whatever I want. Whatever you want. This is my safe place. Whatever you so, want. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to give a uh, first some, amendment. Absolute. Some input about, uh, you know, cause mo- the biggest question we've got is how do you write? 
Like, how do you write? Like, tell me, like, what's your secret? How do you write? Like, I, I've been trying to work on this novel and it's just not coming together. And, uh, this, I, have, Tim, I have a feeling I know the answer to this. Well, but. this is an, it's, oh man, I, I hope not. But <laughs> the, 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 the analogy that was given to me recently was, uh, you know, no one teaches you how to masturbate. Mm-mm. You just do it and then, you know, you, you do it again and it works and, you know, kind of feels good when you're doing it. And then, you know, you're going to end up with a blood blister at some point, but then you're going to change your method and you're going to continue doing it. And then all of a sudden you're going to become very proficient in how you do it. And so the idea is how do you learn how to write is you write. You just figure you write. it out. So you that was write. the answer I had. I yeah. love the masturbation analogy though, <laughs> yeah. because much like many creative endeavors, <laughs> stabbing that, that mud crab. <laughs> yeah, like stabbing the mud crab. Sure. That's what, exactly what that was. Oh, yeah. We you know, that <laughs> one of my favorite authors, he's, he's a horror author uh, named Scott Sigler. Um, he, I'll, I'll hook you up with one cool. of his books. It's fucking amazing. But he did a small, you know, short-lived YouTube series about writing. And, he, and it's every other writer I've ever heard says the only thing about becoming a good writer, how do you become a big writer? How do you become famous? I, you just write. You just do it. And then and then when you think you're done, you write some more. Mm-hmm. And then you write again. Mm-hmm. And if you're not writing every single day for at least an hour, you're probably doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that if legit. Much like many things in this world, if you want to make a career as a writer, you have to work your fucking ass off. Do it. Do and it. It's the only way you, you get better at anything. Like you you go to work every day and regardless of what day job you have, you go to work. Probably in the realm of around 40 hours a week. Mm -hmm. And eventually you get pretty good at what you do. Maybe you're one of those people that's good when you start it, but whatever. You do that for 40 hours a week. If you're trying to develop yourself as a podcaster or as a musician or as a writer or anything else creative, you still need, you need to take that same work ethic that you do going to work nine to five and apply it to that other skill that you want to build up. Yep. And so there's no other. There's no shortcuts. There you just no. need to put in the work and do whatever it is you want to do. How do you get? A, how do you be a better guitarist? You just play, you play the guitar. The guitar. Yeah. How do you, How do you get better at public speaking? You just <sighs> speak publicly. Like uh-huh. you just speak to people and you and you hone that. That's so. Here's but people who ask that question: How do I write? Are looking for some sort of tangible advice, and the only thing I can come up with is: Don't. Finish something. Don't give yourself something to fin to. Oh yeah. Give yourself something to edit tomorrow. Just write, and then tomorrow when you pick it up, you'll be like, "Ooh, I like that. I hate that. I hate this sentence. Ooh, this sentence should change." And then, oh, all of a sudden, I'm inspired to write another paragraph. Yeah. And the person who sets out to write one paragraph will write more than the person who sets out to write ten pages. Because the task is too daunting. Oh, I got to write 10 pages. Mm-hmm. Now, just write one paragraph. And then once you're done with that paragraph, you blink. And all of a sudden, you've got 10, 11 pages, 12 pages. Yeah. Because you just got inspired. You got in the flow. You found the flow and, do it, and did it. So, yeah, that's that's what, that's why my line, that one right there, is uh, you know, inspire. Uh, be a better game master. Inspire. It's advice for game masters. But it's really advice for storytellers in general. Just how to... Get creative. Yeah. It's inspiration to uh, get the brain working and get it in that space where it can create. So that could very easily be very easily be implemented to creative writing, not just in making games for people. It's you could use it for all kinds of stuff. Because really all it is when you're talking about tabletop role playing games, you're talking about a narrative style that is older than the written word. 
Yeah. This is something we've been doing as human beings our entire existence is telling mm-hmm. stories, which is also the foundation of every single one of our major religions on the planet. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything stems every from that, that, that mythos storytelling. Uh, storytelling. And I think that's. You guys, I think in you just 30 right minutes way. have gotten it more than my mom has. <laughs> I swear. What do you do again? Oh, oh my God. I'm, I, uh, I'm a writer. I, I write. <laughs> I just write stuff, mom. Yeah. <laughs> I just write stuff. I'm making money. That's all that yeah, matters. Like, oh, yeah. No, we're doing isn't okay. Worst, isn't that the worst? Let's talk about yeah. that a little bit. <laughs> if, if nothing else, this is really kickstart me to fucking jump back in the game. No excuses. Cool. Hey, and here's the deal. We can play online. Oh, you can hard, play yeah. with just the laptop. You can this. You know, you're going to have a new studio pretty soon. Mm-hmm. You can set that up and have the books. We can run a game on Skype or Zoom mm-hmm. or use Zoom or Google Hangouts. I'm really, because really I'm yeah. kind of thinking that we should probably do that and record it. Um, oh, hard. Is yeah. kind of what I'm thinking. Oh, I have so man. That's so language. I'll quick, dedicate time to that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Quick little side note on that. What the RPG thing? What? Uh, one of the one of the guys that works for me. Is a big D and D guy. Huge. Yeah. Loves D and D. Loves Warhammer. Loves 40k. The whole thing. And him and our little minions at work, they're all into it too. They really like it. They had fun. So they wanted to start a new campaign, and it's all run out of this guy's house and all this. And I said, "All right, perfect." I don't have the bandwidth to like go do that once a week. I just don't. I can't commit to that. But what I want you to do is I'm going to give you some advice. I want you to record that and I will produce it for you. I'll edit it and I'll put it out. They never ended up following through, but that's been something I've wanted to do for a while. Yes. Yeah. It's just record an RPG campaign. Well, let's do it. I think that we should run one of the ones that Michael has we written. We should have a yeah. Streets yeah. like one yes. shot, which is basically it's a, it's a whole story in one game. Yeah. And we can do like one or two. Like that would be oh, a, fuck, that yeah, would be fun. And I think the people who listen would We should it totally do that. I mean, we got Assault in the Streets fo- fantasy football. We might as well jump in. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you have a fantasy football Assault in the Streets? Uh, I mean, it's not. It's just it's, it's the one that we talk about here. Yeah, it's it. we've been doing the league longer than we've yeah. been doing the podcast, but so we're we we're both in the league. Yeah. <laughs> so, the Dynasty league? Are we talking? Uh, nope, no, no, no. Ours is it's a redraft league. Um, I'm in four different leagues actually. One oh, of them is baby. a dynasty, and then three redrafts. And the one that we do is my big money league. It's a 14 team league, and it's a 50 dollar mm-hmm. buy-in, and it's winner take all. So 700 at the end of the season if you come in first place. Yeah. So it's not a bunch of money, but yeah. 700. Is a pretty good wad, you that know, is a, for that is for fantasy, yeah. And yeah. fourteen teams is extremely challenging, yeah. Um, to yeah. to <laughs> to have a good team with fourteen teams. I'm just trying difficult. not to come in last place. Yeah, this year. yeah. It's this year struggle. we implemented um, a penalty for last place is that yeah, is that you have to buy dinner for the person who won the league. So not only do they take your money, but you have to buy them dinner so you guys as well. Going to taco time or something. <laughs> exactly. it's, 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 it is worked out between the winner and the loser what the dinner is, but it's, no, it is a, a meal of undetermined value. So nice. okay. that's, I leave that up to Ooh, them, you know, to, if yeah. I'm the second worst, I'll be okay. But yes. man, if I'm the last, I'm going to I'm going to have a real existential crisis, I think. Yeah, yeah. Last year we didn't when I first started playing fantasy, there was no trade deadline in that league. So when I started this one, we didn't have a trade deadline. And then last year there was disputes about the trade deadline and trades happening. And yeah. so this year I was like, okay, well we can either, you know, put in a trade deadline or we can make a punishment for last place so people will continue to play and then there's like no concern about people just giving away their teams and like maybe That's it's a little more yeah, exactly. right. And so then they were like, well, someone was like, why don't we do both? It's like, I 
I guess. Yeah. I was like, cool. let's, we'll take a vote. Yeah. And so we voted and that got the most votes. And so we have a penalty and also a trade deadline. Nice. And so, oh, yeah. yeah. And, right. And this is the last week before the playoffs. And I, at one point as the commissioner was two and seven, um, and have battled my way into the eighth seed of the playoffs. It's called the commissioner's curse. And, yes. I've Ooh. been, I won year one when it was a hundred dollars when it was for said, oh of course you won and then <laughs> and one i was really the only one that had played and so it wasn't like that weird you know it was uh, like that's we only did 10 bucks you know and it was only cool. it was 10 yeah. people so it wasn't a big deal um and then i've like was in the playoffs every year after that but haven't won since and this year i did so fucking terrible and now i'm like i'm in the eighth seed of the playoffs in the last spot and so if i lose this week i'm out but mm-hmm. if i win then i'll stay in in the eighth seed maybe move up to seven but i'll be in just the very end. So nice. it's we're Eight close. Is like th- that's that's all oh, that matters is that le- that bracket. I just have to be there. Yeah, you just have to be there. Which sucks because the the one seed is like nine and two or nine and mm-hmm. three or something. He's just he's fucking killing in, it in the in the dynasty league that I was in for a long time. The uh, we did once you got to the playoffs, starting with the first seed, you choose your opponent. Really, you would decide. Oh who your opponent shit! Was be. So it wasn't like one verse eight, two verse seven. You know what? Not really. It was, it was you chose your opponent, which most mostly ended up with that sort of format. Yeah, yeah. Because like you're not stupid, <laughs> but right. occasionally, actually, there was one time where the one seed picked the number two seed because they had this rivalry going, and they wanted to figure it out right there. Just want to knock them out. It did not go the number one seed's oh, way. <laughs> that's the danger. That's, that's, that's it. The that's the risk too. you're taking, man. That's that's what yeah. you're going for. Yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough spot to be in the 14 teams is really, really difficult. The draft takes, you know, two and a half hours or something like that. And we even have like a short bench just because of that, but Mm -hmm. it's a whole, it's a whole deal. But yeah, I've been on the receiving end of that trade deadline argument though, where it's because you never, it's one of those things where when you're new to the league, you never realize it's an issue until all of a sudden the right. league is ruined right. because someone says, oh, screw it. I'll give away all these good players because mm. I want that person to win. Yeah. Or they agreed to share half the booty with me, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's, it can be, it can be a tough spot. Yeah. And so, and so we, you know, we try and handle it as a commissioner. I'd like to really try and be hands off. Like I just don't want to really deal with, you know, whatever the disputes are. But if enough people say something to me about it, then I'll do a little, digging around and be like hey you know what's uh yep. what's what's up with this going on here you know yeah. <laughs> and if it's got to be dealt with then like i'll do whatever but for the most part i would rather just not do it now and then vote on it next time we you know we do the draft and mm-hmm. then we'll sort it out then because i just don't yep. like to fuck with things during the season agree you know so you want to take the anti-trumpian approach is what yeah yeah I just, I, yeah exactly i don't i yeah really would rather just deal with it next year when we draft you know and be like that yep. really sucked but you know at least we know now so yeah i just don't because you're gonna you're gonna create more problems if you in fantasy football and other yeah, regards yeah. by jumping in right in the middle of right. something. And I'm fucking playing too, you know, so I can't make it look like I'm being biased by ruling in anyone's favor. That's like, oh, well, you know, we're fucking yeah. going to play in the playoffs. And so you just don't want to win. I'm like, well, it's not mm-hmm. that, you know, I just, yeah. So I don't even, I don't even use anybody's names when I'm like, Hey, I received, you know, an anonymous complaint about this mm-hmm. thing. And like, I just got to <laughs> yeah. fucking ask to make sure that it's cool. And, 
that sucks. I hate that shit. That's but, but you know, that's called uh, playing your role as commish. You know, you yeah. gotta be an impartial third party who does your job correctly and make sure there's no bias. Right. Other right. than all the trade info you give me. Well, yeah. <laughs> well there's like there's like so like Jordan plays in the league and then there's like another couple that plays in the league, which like complicates it even more, you know, that like yeah. if I'm gonna trade with Jordan, it has to be like super extra straight up and totally legit looking, or else, you know, there's like, Oh, well, you guys are just fucking, you know, this person has the better record and so they're just trying to give you the player like this isn't fair you guys are married or whatever and so that's like extra difficult and so the trades are so so sparse in the league because there's like and we have 14 teams yeah i mean there's no people are scared people are fucking scared to trade because of the 14 teams they don't want to they don't want to risk you know getting rid of anything that might they might need later in the season yeah it's that's fucking hard so i wanted to get a couple more little nerd questions in, if sure. you don't mind. Whatever, dude. Whatever. So I did want to. I did find the the person that did say that. Quote He's here for was, you. That's why I brought him here. This is an early <laughs> Christmas present. Merry Christmas, Colin. I brought Thank you a Michael sir. Barker. That's Thank what. You. That's what's He's going all on mine, here, motherfucker. Can yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the the great Arthur C. Clarke, sci-fi legend himself, said any significantly advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. So that's that line we we're yep. talking about. There you go. So. <clears throat> Oh, shit. I forgot one of the questions I was going to ask you. The first one being. So we'll just go to the other one. Hopefully I'll remember. Um, Dungeons and Dragons versus uh, Pathfinder. Do you know? I mean, do you do you play both of those games? Are you familiar with Listen, the two I, differences? I can't believe you would set me against my personal friends. Right. right, off, <laughs> that's not right off the it's two hours in. This is nerd culture, man. If yep. you pick one team over another, it's it's worse than fucking politics. Because yeah. <laughs> at least in politics, there's only two teams. There's a lot of issues on each side. <laughs> but then nerd culture, man, <laughs> Firefly versus Serenity can be a fucking relationship ender. <laughs> <laughs> it really is, actually. Wash, take a pipe through the chest and you're okay with it, oh. or no? Leaf on the wind. See that? <laughs> I was, uh, when, I, when I first got started on YouTube, someone mentioned in the comments that I looked like... Um, a little bit of wash. Wash. What's the name of the actor? Oh no! Oh, no, everybody I, forgets his name, and that's exactly no, I why I forget it because someone. That's okay, exactly well, why they made the show Con Men. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think I look like uh, Trey Cool from uh, Green Day, which is something I can see that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Uh, I get it. Dude, uh, you're batting two for two, two and zero oh on yeah. celebrities here. <laughs> Um, I'm hurt myself. I can't remember his name. It doesn't matter. Uh, so here's a little history lesson about D and D and Pathfinder. All right, is uh, done. Dun- there's this magazine. I think it was a Dungeon Magazine and Dragon Magazine are uh, two separate yet same sort of publisher, sort of a same topic line uh, type of informative magazines about Dungeons and Dragons. And for a long time, uh. Through the 3.5 edition, there was a third edition Dungeons and Dragons, and then a 3.5 edition. Uh, the publisher of that magazine was Paizo Productions. Oh, and they uh, eventually D and D created fourth edition, which is the most what's the word divisive. It's the most divisive Dungeons and Dragons. Hey, thanks for that kiss, Colin. No problem. The people only listening to the audio will never know. <laughs> uh, the um, uh, the fourth edition was the most divisive Dungeons and Dragons that you're talking about mm-hmm. splitting nerd culture because uh, they literally appealed to the uh, World of Warcraft players by making the mechanics more oh. like powers with cooldowns mm-hmm. instead of, you know, like a D&D previously. 
Paizo Productions, in response to 4th Edition, created <clears throat> Pathfinder. Okay. So their publisher for their magazine turned against them, Watsi, uh, Wizards of the Coast, to create Pathfinder, which is basically what people call 3.75. It's like, what if 3.5 were perfected instead of this whole new 4th Edition? I do not play a lot of Pathfinder. I have a lot of Pathfinder books because there's inspiration to be found in any book. But... <clears throat> Uh, so you read them just for research. For exactly. Your own I, I read it and I see, oh, that's a cool item. I'm going to reskin that for this game. But that goes for any game, not just, you know, Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons. Yeah. Um, I have played very little Pathfinder. I've played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons, and I don't see that changing in the future. Okay. Did you like uh, the fourth editions of Dungeons and Dragons? Some of the best, I'll say some of the best games I've ever played had fourth, were played while fourth edition books were on the table. Ooh. That's not. <laughs> that would that should show you what role playing is. It's so narrative, and I you can take what you want, leave what you don't want. And so for those of you who don't follow nerd culture, Michael just lost a lot of friends. I may, I may have lost a lot of friends. I may have. I also may have gained a lot of friends. But that's that's, that's that's what we're going for, right? It's a balance. Yeah. As many times people block you, more people follow you, and then you piss those people off, and then you get these people back. Well, there you, you can control because it depends on who you tell about this podcast that you are on you there know you so go. you can you can totally choose who you tell about I'm not, this i'm not smart enough to do that just everyone here yeah people will be pissed and that's all right that helps us so whatever yep politically i'm all i'm also very divisive my uh most right-wing and centrist friends call me a socialist and my socialist friends call me a centrist so it's very <laughs> i feel like in a way that's how you know you're doing it right but yeah uh, both sides would disagree. <laughs> no yeah. one should. I I have spoken before that I pride myself on the amount of people that have listened to this podcast and then told me later, like, I'm not really sure where you sit at politically. Like, will you tell, like, how would you like identify yourself? Like, uh, many, many people have said that to me. And I, I pride myself personally on it that I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm I don't, complicated. I'm an independent. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I don't. Yeah. That's what so, Rogan said to Jocko. Like, I don't even know where you are. And. I just in that moment thought, oh yeah, I don't either. Like, yeah. What the hell is this guy? Oh, yeah. Well, that's a that is a I don't want to say systemic problem with where politics is now, but it's people expect you to be on this team or that team, yeah. and there's no room for nuance. Period. You, you can't have a faction without a narrative. Exactly. Yeah, when it gets to this point, and historically, it always gets to this point where the factions rule. And this is why the creative minds, the IDW, is built up. Of creative minds. And the reason is, is because creative minds, they can understand that you can have a nuanced view on something and still belong to this team or that team. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the fact that we have the two teams is a whole nother conversation altogether. Mm-hmm. But when, when we look at that Joe Rogan episode with Tulsi Gabbard and Jocko Willink on it, that's, I don't think it's, it could be more perfectly illustrated that there are people out there that belong to this party. Right. And, and in this case, the Democratic Party, who do not exactly – I mean, they definitely don't fit into the overall narrative mm-hmm. that has been crafted around that party. Right. And this is why the people that, that do not conform to that narrative have a hard time getting noticed, getting any kind of support whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, Donald Trump was not a Republican when he ran for president. Hard no. Bernie Sanders Still is was not. not a Democrat when he re- first ran for president. Right. But, na- and so, but now the parties have kind of formed around those people because what's the alternative? Mm-hmm. Lose? Right. And where the party should morph its its 
agenda and its views based off of the candidate, they have now – we've come to a situation where if you don't fit the party's narrative, you cannot be the candidate. You need to you need to be in this lane or you need to be in that lane. Yep. Regardless of how – whatever the narrative is, you got to – you got to choose a lane and stay in it. The DNC is especially sinful in that regard. Putting they yeah. have, especially in 2016, visibly putting their hand on the scale to make <laughs> Sorry, it. Sorry, Bernie. Yep, no. Yeah, exactly. It's, and no one, no one, no one knew. I mean, there no. are people who knew, but nothing changed. Right, right. And we've talked about that before. That I was actually watching a Michael Moore documentary, as much as you know, whatever. But I like those documentaries, <laughs> and they're they're. F- they have a lot of good information in them sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't remember which one I was watching, but he was talking about the Bernie Sanders campaign and how Bernie Sanders had won every district in Michigan and then didn't receive think, any of the, oh man, any of the delegate votes. Um, yeah. and yeah. I, like I had obviously knew about some fuckery before, mm-hmm. you know, but then to like see that and you're like, Blatant. you've got to be fucking kidding yeah. me. Like oh, yeah. the person like, with the sign in the background. Yes. Just yeah. Really getting into the, oh, and you're man. like, how, like, how does something like that even happen when you, you have people trying to that are saying that they are objective and are just listening to the people but mm-hmm. something like this is happening right right out in public and if you live in Michigan then you know that you yep. know but if you don't live there and you're not watching that camera at that second then you're not going to have any fucking idea that exactly. that's even happening Never. you know you're not going to have that idea and that Barack Obama just recently said that if Bernie Sanders were about to get the nomination he would speak up against it uh-huh. and that right there that tells you all you need to know yeah. Barack's been coming you- out heavy lately when he starts yeah. talking against you know the the intersectional activists that have been so crazy. You yeah, know, there was that two minute clip. I, I don't remember if we played it on the show or not. But I don't think we did, but we I, we might have talked about we it did privately. Talk about yeah, it. and you know it's when Barack Obama, who if you put yourself back before 2016, Barack Obama was not considered a moderate in almost any fashion. You yeah, know, he was about as progressive a Democrat yeah. as you could be at the time, and. In four, I mean, I guess eight years now, Barack Obama is, he's seen as like a centrist. centrist? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What is, when Joe Biden is the centrist candidate, where has the Oberton window shifted? Yeah. How far has that shifted? I know people also who would say that there is no left movement in the United States because no one's building guillotines. Every, everything is, you know, even democratic, because you can look at places in the world where, that have exercised, say, Bernie Sanders philosophies. Yeah. And so because they already exist, it's not completely left, right? Completely left would be like, I feel like, uh, what was it? It's another Dan Carlin thing. You go far enough left and far enough right and you hit the same authoritarian yeah. garbage. That Stalin and, Na- and Hitler were both Nazis in, in that, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, Just how you go about it is yeah. different. Yeah. But the yeah. end goal is the same. It's that it's the ideological horseshoe. You know, you start mm-hmm. a centrist at the top of a horseshoe, and as you get more more extreme, you actually come back together, and you're more similar than you are different at that point. Yeah. You know. So now that we've uh, approached a a very important facet of the podcast, I'm going to run and take two minutes. Do Sounds it. good. Do it up. So I hope you guys keep that conversation going. Oh, oh yeah! Oh yeah! That's what we're here for. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> So my favorite point, I will just say, my favorite point before, like in the debates that happened while we were gone, because I think that happened, what was it the Wednesday after the podcast? Yeah, Wednesday or Thursday? the fifth Democratic debate, and one of the lowest ratings apparently 
to date so far. So yeah. Almost yeah, I heard that. And, but we were both very good. We were live tweeting during our whole thing. We, we were, were just posting. My favorite line to come out of that whole thing was when they were talking about the military and military spending and build up and all that. And the question was asked to Elizabeth Warren whether she would continue to build up the military. And she actually said, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. pause button. So, I mean, it doesn't surprise me compared to everything else that she said. She's talking about gutting military spending to pay for socialist programs. Her her programs. I don't want to sound too narrative. <laughs> but uh, she's talking about doing that. But also, she's going to get more people in the military ranks. How does that yeah. – how is that even – a? how does that escape your mouth? The ridiculous shit that comes out of her mouth, that tops it. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, but uh, again, I wouldn't. All right, so let me start here. I mm-hmm. I agree. It doesn't make any sense. No. It, it doesn't make any sense at all. Um, That's just, just one. Out just of logically, a but we've been talking for a long time about how a lot of the stuff that she says is is worded in a very lawyery fashion, you know. So as it plays out during the during the debates, but once you I you know you look at it a little bit closer afterwards, you're like, well, that's. That's not exactly true, you know, yeah. but I guess technically what she said was, you yeah. know, it's like I can pay for this and this. Right. And this and she did this. the she did the same thing in this last debate as well. In all five debates, she's done the exact same thing that she talks about, you know, when you reach the the very top of the one percent or whatever, you know, then pitch in the two cents. And mm-hmm. with that, you know, I can do this, 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 yeah. this, this, which as you know, we've seen, a, I feel, uh, or not I feel, but we've seen a number of articles now that have looked at that. And you, like I was saying, is worded in such a way that you could pay for any one of these, uh, you know, yeah. programs a, very easily. I with, could say this, comma, right. this, comma. It, that's right. exactly right. same as saying I could pay for this or this right. or that. But not all of these things together. It's yeah. It's not even mathematically enough money that you're talking about to pay for all these things but it's not worded in a way where mm-hmm. she says i can pay for this and this and this and this yeah. it's i could pay for this 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 yeah you know Snopes would say that's almost true it's like half true uh-huh. right because yeah. it's like yeah i mean you could you could pay for any number of these things but you couldn't pay for all of these things with the amount of money that you're talking about you know mm-hmm. and so she She's very good at that, you know, She's, and yeah. that's it's part of her background, you know, coming from from being a law professor, right? Is what she was doing before. So, I mean, that's well, that's kind of her law, jam. A, a corporate lawyer, before right? That, right. Mean. That's her. It's so especially that so as to tie up loopholes and stuff, you know, but to you know exactly where to find them. So yeah. that's I would. I would implore everyone listening to continue to look for things like that in the wording mm-hmm. of of the things that she says and the plans that she introduces, you know. Yeah. Even as soon as she put out the actual numbers for her healthcare plan, there was that same day people were saying, well, that's those don't work out. You yeah. know, these figures that you've released don't work out to what you're saying the end product is, you know. They don't add up at all. And, and she's and- like, well, if you look at it this way, yeah. you know, if you imply all these things and just, you know, kind of hope that this is what they're going to do, then it will turn out to be this you know and biden and Buttigieg have have jumped on that ever since that yeah. report came yeah. out where she detailed how she's going to get the money she's getting right not to mention the fact that the majority of her spending policies rely on you know a law a tax that is on its face blatantly on blatantly unconstitutional yeah the, the idea of a wealth tax is being thrown around now like 
Like it's just normal. And, you know, well, I mean, these other countries have tried it. These other countries have tried it. Well, these other countries don't have a written constitution that speaks wholeheartedly against that. Yeah. You know, how do you efficiently rectify, you know, per penny how much somebody is worth and then decide to tax them on that? There's there's no way, you know, let's say however much Mark Zuckerberg is worth or Jeff Bezos is worth. Yeah. They don't have that much cash. That's how much – that's the overall capital yeah. capital that they have built through these companies they own and all this different thing. It's That's not liquid cash that you can just siphon. It's ones and zeros. That's it's all, all just, just shit. You know? Well, money doesn't mean anything anymore, so it's fine. Not since we got off the gold standard. Yeah, which, by the way, the gold standard might not be a great thing yeah. to get attached what? to anyways. <laughs> yeah. Because – I told you I didn't understand the the gold thing. The gold thing really just escapes me. I don't, you know. The gold thing is an attempt tying a currency to a, you know, a limited limited resource. Thank you. That, you know, we know there's a limited supply of. You know, it it prevents central authorities from fucking with the currency's value. Because there's only so much of that thing. This is what Bitcoin's, you know, all the e-currencies, you know, mindset is on this stuff. And if we're getting – I saw some Facebook shit the other day where these people were talking about this asteroid or this meteor that's going to be flying close to Earth here real soon. And it's it's like mostly gold. And then there's so much gold in it that if somehow or other we were able to harness every ounce of gold in there, would devastate any economy based on gold because now you have a surplus of gold in the market. Should we shoot it out of the sky? Is that what the idea is? No, no, no. Let's just get up there. We'll harvest it and we'll bring it down. No. Computer and, prices and it, would drop dramatically. Who? Just, you know, me. It's fine. Elon Just Musk. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, man, so I will trust Elon Musk vault. with my fate. Yeah. That's fine. He's a smart enough guy. I trust him. He's got good intentions. So the gold thing is worth your money. We talked about this before. The gold thing is worth your money if only America is going to go to shit. But if the whole world goes to shit, yes. then what is gold do for you at that point i mean at that point fucking bullets that's what i'm saying bullets is going to be what matters the most when the when the world world goes to shit i don't i mean if you're like a scientist you're like i can make something with this you know but for the most part i don't if if money doesn't matter anymore and it's just all about supplies i don't give a shit about gold fucking jewelry you know yeah or nuggets of gold I i don't know i don't i don't know what what that does for me in a in a survival circumstance, no. you know. I mean, it, gold is only good for you as long as there is a demand for something like gold. Right. And whatever the arbitrary purpose of it really is, I mean, in a truly like in a manufacturing sense or in like in an objective sense, what is gold good for? Well, we use it in like cell phones and computers. Electronics, and, and, yeah. You know, you know circuit boards Spacecraft. and stuff like that. But yep. other than that, what is it good for? I mean, we've... That's what I'm saying. It's just people grabbed it because yeah. it was a shiny, rare commodity, I guess. Where did the value of gold truly come from? I don't know. But it's that it's that commodity that is wanted by, you know, it's there's a demand for it globally for whatever reason. Whether it's, I mean, it's the same thing with fucking diamonds. It's just a, a bunch of carbon that has been crushed in, under a lot of heat and shit like that. It's a shiny rock. It's a shiny bit of carbon. But then Why the media do we says that? diamonds are forever, and the me- right. media says, you know, James that, Bond said that originally. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it is, uh, the media comes into play and starts running ad campaigns that make diamonds, you know, oh, yeah. more valuable. Uh, but you know, when the diamonds are all locked away, it's it's this illusion of um, 
Scarcity. Scarcity. Yeah. And now we have synthetic diamonds, quote unquote, that are being made. In a lab. In Canada, mostly. I'd be hearing ads for that all the time. Yeah, quote unquote, blood diamonds. Lab blood grown, free diamonds. Lab grown diamonds. Mm-hmm. We talked about that once upon a time. And that's, I was like, what do you mean a are you growing a diamond? I don't. That's very oh, yeah. strange. But all you do is you do the work of the earth, man. It's weird. Time and he- or pressure and heat. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. With pressure comes heat. So thermodynamics, bitch. <laughs> Science word. I don't. Know. <laughs> I'll, so, I'll I'll give you that one. Right. Yeah. So to get back to the debates real quick, it's funny. I got the oh. real, real clear politics pulled up, and for whatever reason, the the ad. On real clear politics for me, anyways, is a Tulsi twenty twenty ad that pops Tulsi. up. Wait, uh, no, go ahead. And no, then, no, 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 no. You okay. continue, and All then right. I'll. This I was is the whole deal. You, how do you think they alphabetize these? How do you think they order these? Because it's not alphabetical. It's they're not talking about the results, and they're they're not ordered by number, but they're definitely ordered in a way where Sanders is never the first name you see on the list. Subjective, yeah. You know, <laughs> Sanders is hardly ever. At the top, except for usually in like North New Hampshire, polls. Dem- uh, yeah, yeah, Democratic president. Yep. Yeah, and the latest polls that are out right now are the you, the Economist YouGov polls for the the national nomination, and right now Biden's up six points over anyone yeah. else. Sanders, man. Or, the, and who's, then who's being poor is what matters. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, you got uh, Harris sitting at four, so Tulsi did a good job devastating her. Got She's nuked. pretty much done and out of the race good. at this point. Where's Mayor Pete at? Oh, man. And there's been articles coming out this week for, for uh, Kamala Harris's uh, her internal campaign. I fucking is hate falling Kamala apart. Harris. I mean, there's people writing scathing letters as they resign about how fucked up it all is and how they're hiring people to come in for a week, move. And then like two weeks later, they're like, well, sorry, we can't afford you. Bye. Ah. You know, it's, she's on a sinking ship. Um, Buttigieg, depending on. Where you're out right now, Mayor Pete is actually in Iowa. He's balling. Yeah, he's trying to he's trying to overthrow the Biden as the quote unquote centrist, you know, yeah. as the more moderate guy. Which and he's competing against Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, who I think Warren might be. I think her campaign might be dying off at this point. Do you want to know what? Please. Mayor Mayor Pete's my dark horse. Your dark horse? Yeah, I think I truly I like something. Inside of my gut is like, this guy's got it. I don't know what it is. And I part of it, okay, so I know what part of it is, right? Part of it is that when he first came on the scene, Mayor P was super left, super duper left, especially well, like socially and very, stuff. very beginning, he was very moderate. And well, then it, it and then she, yeah. yeah, and ever since then, he started to shift back more towards moderate, right? Yeah. And <clears throat> again, you have to look at it. On the spectrum that the Democratic Party is now, right? I'm not talking about the overall spectrum because if you're looking at it, then he's still super progressive, right? But as it sits now, the Democratic Party, the candidates, right? If that's a a spectrum in itself, he's really kind of sitting in the middle, you know? And if you're looking at Medicare for all as like, that's this is the going standard is Medicare for all, right? Which is a strange way to look at it. But if that's like, this is what the, you know, he's he's really, I, I prefer a public option over just a straight up Medicare for all, you know? So if those are my options is either a Medicare for all or a public option, then I'm going to take a public option. You know, if those are the two that are given to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've, you know, he's coming off of that. I mean, it's so I, I appreciate he's I'm thinking, I'm telling you, that's, yeah. the, that's the guy I think. Cause I think Joe Biden's looking terrible. 
He yeah. looks visually looks terrible. He sounds terrible when he's up on the stage. He's like almost slurring all the he time. The worst. Yeah, it's yeah. really bad. It looks really really bad. Um, I don't. I don't. None of my leftist friends like him. Like him either. No, like I just it's don't. Bad. I don't really know That's, anyone that likes Joe Biden. It's no. bad. Um, he's the old school kind of establishment guy. You know, he's, he's got a lot of black support, as they say. Right. You know, from his from his time in Congress over the years, but. Yeah, he's fading quick. He's he's not somebody that's going to do it. I think, like you said, I think Mayor Pete might be onto something. He's trying to hang a little bit back. Yeah, Warren is going to sink herself. The country's not. I don't think they're too willing to commit <sighs> to Sanders. There's enough people that right. don't gonna want to go all that way, and I think Mayor Pete is going to present himself as more of a moderate and be able to to get more of a public appeal. Right. He, he will appeal more to the the Trump voters that don't want to vote for Trump again. And publicly, especially in the debates, like I said, he was he's he is appealing more moderate, right? But when you're looking at like some of the campaign ads that have been coming oh, out, yeah. he's still he's still dipping the toes to like let people know like, hey, I'm still I'm still fucking out here though. Like I'm still on the left. Mm-hmm. I'm still out here. You know, that the one campaign ad that's kind of circling right now is when he's talking about like free college for 80% of people, right? That like there's a threshold of like your family makes enough money and you don't, mm-hmm. you know, you don't get to be in this program for free college. And so there's all kinds of people, especially on the left that are like, you can't, you know, put out a universal program that's not universal and goes against all of like our ideals and all this stuff. And it's, that's, you know, neither here nor there, but he's still appealing to the people that want or that are cool with with a a wealth tax right they're like well fuck the people that are at the one percent so anything that's going to still get at them you know and so he's like i'm here i'm a centrist joe biden you know all the blacks like he still has to find a way to be cool with black people because they don't like people to judge at all yeah he's got zero support right now in like south carolina but he's still he's doing enough to like, I don't want to use dog whistle because that carries like a, a just a negative connotation, you know. And I don't, it, I don't see it as inherently negative. But he pays enough he's, tribute to right, right. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah, he's still doing things to let like kind of the far left, for lack of a better term, like know that he's still out there. Yeah. You know, pa- he's like, I'm still here. Yeah, you. yeah. He's still, you know, I'm still, I'm out here. I have to appeal to the moderates as it is. But also, mm-hmm. when it comes down to it, you know, fuck this one percent. Like I don't. We're still. We're still not cool with them. Like, that's still fucked up. We're still against them, you know? And that's, I think that that's very interesting, you know? It is. He seems to be playing it very well, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I get that, you know? I, I definitely get that. What do you think, Michael Barker? That's a that's a deep well to jump into. It is. Yeah. It's kind of open-ended. <laughs> yeah. Where uh, are you on the 2020 candidates? <laughs> So far. So, if, you, if you had to pick a winner right now, who do you think it would be? And actually, before you answer that, have you watched any of the debates? Uh, there's been five of them so far. Have you watched any of those? Have you listened to any of them? Let me ask I you three more questions skin. before you get <laughs> no, to answer I am, that. I'm a scrub that has watched uh, clips of debates. Okay. Uh, which is which is well that's exactly what the the candidates want they want mm-hmm. their soundbite to spread yeah that's the that's the idea, uh, idea behind debates is they want to get that soundbite in that something for the uh the commercial that they can show over and over and over and yeah. over and over again while you're eating your pancakes and you got so a minute hear it, hear it, hear it, 15 hear it, hear it. seconds to answer this question exactly and that's so also ridiculous. called a soundbite 
All, yes. all of Tulsi Gabbard's campaign ads that I saw during the Joe Rogan podcast that I watched on YouTube were clips of her at a debate or interviewed after the debate yes. or before the debate. All of them. They were all clips taken from debates or different interviews yes. that she did. It wasn't like there was one that I – desperately have to ask you both about Ooh, um we okay. can can we can finish this first yes. but I, we have to discuss this other one sure. um, but all of them other than this one were just clips from yeah. different debates and i think so. it's important to reference like why i asked you that question michael is because i think that's where most people are at most people don't have three hours to commit on a wednesday evening to sit down and watch debate so most people it's hard get the clips and what they see on you know the major media networks. So I think your opinion is very valid when it comes to looking at it on like a sure. mass scale. Invaluable in Absolutely. this particular right, instance. We well, let's see how this goes then. Uh, I feel like when the this is a uh, a belief of mine that I've had for a while. I Absolutely. believe that when the president is inaugurated, I believe they are shown something. That puts them on the side of the military industrial complex. I believe they're shown something that puts them on the side of, dare I say, the war profiteers. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Obama at one point represented the epitome of change. Uh, he said he was going to close Guantanamo. He did mm-hmm. not. That was the test in my mind. I saw that he did not do that. Why? There's a lot of reasons why he did not. And, and I probably would not have also, but here, here's the deal is that, once the president, I, I feel like they're shown something like, Hey, look, look how the world is in a thermonuclear Mexican standoff with itself. Look how there are, uh, thermonuclear weapons honed in on <clears throat> all the major settlements in the world. Uh, how does that, uh, how does that sit with you? Look how Iran already has the bomb. That, that last one mm-hmm. is a stretch, but that's a, uh, you know, there's got it. I feel like there's something that brings the new president into the fold and easily makes them think, Oh shit. Well, yeah, all that money's got to stay there. All, we need we need that budget. Something like that instantly and, changes the calculus because you don't know the problems that you're getting into mm-hmm. until you get the fucking job. And then all of a sudden you're like, listen, if we yield here, here, and here in those places that you said we were going to yield, Americans will starve in the streets beyond anything we've seen since the Great Depression. You know, some some sort of knowledge like that that that. And, and we can't tell anyone about this. Like, listen, this is not something that, that we want to broadcast because it would ruin the public. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I believe that this is just from the opinion of someone who wants to see what happens. I want to see what happens when Bernie Sanders is elected. Mm-hmm. I want to see. What happens when the military industrial complex, big pharma, uh, is challenged in a way that they have not been challenged in decades? I want to see that occur. I want to see what, what comes of it. You know, like, um, I want to see him say, nope, we can't do this. Or I want to see it become the machine or get killed trying to fight the machine or something like that. I, I feel like at this point, we, we need to break something. And I think that Bernie Sanders is the person that will break something. And I do not, I, I believe that he will do so without being, he, of all the candidates, he will be swayed the least. So, I mean, on that point, I mean, I think a lot of people that voted for Trump thought they were voting for that, that bull in a China shop to come yeah. in and smash up the establishment and, you know, 
provide new change. And that's what that the DNC was. was afraid of, you know, and, and they, they felt that probably that, uh, yeah, yeah. I, a lot of people think that Bernie would have taken voters from Trump and now no Trump voter would say, yes, I agree. But yeah. back then in 2016, a lot of them probably would have yeah. swapped over. Yeah. I think there's still a lot of people that did vote for Trump in 2016 that won't vote for him this time. I know that because, for many uh, different reasons. Yeah. I know that because I might be amongst them. <laughs> does it depend on the Democratic uh, candidate? Oh, hard, yeah. It, mm-hmm. I mean, it it does. That's a scary really, place to be in. Yeah. Really, what it comes down to is either I'm going to either vote Democratic or I'm not going to vote top of the ticket. That's the way it is. And I think a lot of people are going to be forced into that situation. When it came down to 2016, it was a lot of people saw it was more, you know, Clinton just, Hillary Clinton represented <laughs> something. She represented the past she represented you know the establishment that people were already angry about she she represented gridlock in congress and dirty politics and all this good stuff and then we had a reality reality tv star who was like well fuck it i'll flip the coin i'll vote for bernie sanders and see what the fuck happens you know that might work out and then it obviously didn't for a lot of people and i think a lot of people are going to be forced to make that choice can i handle my conscious voting four more years of this or do we go a different direction? And, and now just we have Bloomberg and Bloomberg. The scales. That is that. That's for anybody that's ever lived in New York um, and who know Michael Bloomberg's governance. Uh, I, I think you would be hard pressed to find a single person in New York city that would want to vote Bloomberg for president. It is, I mean, he, he's getting raked over the Colts now for stop and frisk, which Giuliani started and he just upheld, which yeah. ultimately made New York a really, really safe place to be, but might have trampled all over human rights for a little while. But, you know, there's, he doesn't have, he's a billionaire. That's tough to get into. He has more money than anything else. He runs Bloomberg fucking television. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, like, it's hard for him to step in as a Democrat saying, hey, no, I, I need to be able to f- be here for when everybody else folds so I can fight against this Trump thing. You're really kind of the same type of guy. You know, you're really that that top 1% of 1% billionaire fighting against another one. Not a lot of people are going to be into that, especially the real hardcore Democratic voters, I don't think. I think he's he's got more money. He's got enough money to keep himself alive. He's not going to be participating in a lot of the primaries. He's, no, I heard. He's not going to be in any debates. You no, know, I heard he's that he's, um, he's just going straight to like California. He's yeah. gonna, he's just bypassing these first couple of primaries and yeah. he's just going to go to some of the bigger states and try and get the primaries there. Do you think he, he's not going to survive five minutes in Iowa? Yeah. There's nobody in Iowa that would vote for him. Maybe yeah. a few, but like there's he's getting one percent in Iowa. Not if there's Maybe. people that are embracing Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, they're certainly not gonna no. buy into Bloomberg this no, this no. deep into the race. You know, anybody who was on the fence and then bought into Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders when they didn't know at first is definitely not gonna revert back no, and go yeah, to it's... to Bloomberg, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, I mean the the I mean the the waters are already flavored. And there's no change in that that brew of that tea, you know. I mean, it, yeah. what's there is there, and you're either gonna jump in in that <laughs> democratic fuck thing. I don't know. Why. How do you think you would have done if you were there from the start, Bloomberg? No, nah. no. Nah. People would have seen him against Biden. At least in I, my opinion, I don't think he. I feel like he would have toppled Biden. I, I feel think like that. Like- I think that Bloomberg's thing 
now with the billionaire thing, right? I think that his shtick is going to be to try and take the people from Donald Trump that liked that he was different. Like you were talking about that he had money. He knows how to run a business. All those people that bought Mm -hmm. into Donald Trump for that reason, but now don't like him for – the whatever the social shit that's come out stormy daniels fucking they yeah. think there's a p tape whatever reason right or if there's you know if they're a fucking farmer whatever any any number of reasons that mm-hmm. someone could not like donald trump now but like that he's trying to run america like a business because that's still a huge appeal to a lot of people yeah. they could still like that and then lean on michael bloomberg for that and be like oh and he has these different policies that maybe will work a little bit better you know he doesn't want to do this tariff thing and he you know wants to fucking do this or whatever and you know he really likes you know colored people now that he's against this uh you know stop and frisk and so you know i can i can buy into him because he's not going to call me a rapist if i'm mexican and you know all these people that like i said don't like trump for whatever reason Mm -hmm. but still like the business thing well and the the might be going for that you know yeah the corporate interest that divorced themselves from elizabeth warren and as soon as she started talking about wealth taxes and yeah. you know, there should be no billionaires and all this stuff that would have voted for a Democrat, or that might become a viable option now. But but <clears throat> at the end of the day, all that really meant was you secured unlimited funding, and he already has unlimited funding. I don't yeah. know how many in, – in, you know, in the realm of sheer numbers, I don't know where he would stack up against that. You know, This latest um, economist, YouGov polls, got him pulling at 3% nationally. Compared to some people. Tulsi the other day pulled in a Boston Globe poll 6%. Really? But the DNC says they're not going to accept that one. Okay. Which so, is funny. So let me ask you about this, right? So the very first Tulsi Gabbard ad that I saw, because I was at work, so I was watching Joe Rogan with Tulsi Gabbard and Jocko Willing, right? So the very first ad that I saw, Tulsi Gabbard is like, I am just proposed – House initiative, I don't remember the number, right? Where she wants to declassify all materials regarding 9-11. She wants to declassify all documents regarding 9-11 so that we can know about all the ties, the Saudi ties, all all the shit, right? You know me, I fucking hate the Saudis, right? So I was like, I was like, oh, oh, word. So, (laughs) so my ears perked up, but I also was like, I can't fucking believe that she just said that she did that. So, you said on Thanksgiving you've changed very much since Jordan, right? But Jordan used to tell me she's like, "Oh yeah, you gotta like ask Michael Barker about nine eleven sometimes because he just <laughs> he has like the craziest shit that he says about it." And so I was like, "Okay, word, like that sounds awesome." Yeah. And Colin, this is no judgment on him at all, but I've brought up nine eleven a couple of different times, and he's been unwilling to discuss it, which is totally Me? fine. It's been. It's been a topic that you're like, well, we're not going to talk about that, and then we move on to whatever no. we're talking about. Maybe it's in the interest of time. Maybe it's in the whatever, right? I'm a part of the establishment. I buy into the establishment story that the Taliban <laughs> attacks us on 9-11, period, straight up, full stop. Yeah. Done. I and- don't want to hear nothing else about fucking <laughs> the, the temperature of steel melting and jet fuel and all this crap. I don't – I can't do that because the minute I'm yeah. willing to buy into that, I'm, I'm willing to buy in that the entirety of the U.S. government – essentially has enough wherewithal to get away with a conspiracy on that level, which is just devastating to me emotionally (laughs) and psychologically. And I could not handle that. And I will become an expat and go live in fucking Ecuador. Yeah. Because I can't handle that. All right. Epstein is hard enough. (laughs) Jesus Christ. So I certainly didn't kill himself. I certainly don't mean to implicate any type of conspiracy. Um, But I, I was, 
seven years old when 9-11 happened. Okay. Um, and so I grew up sweet in a, child. so I grew up in do an you era of not having to take your shoes off at the airport. Do you, do you, rem, do you have any e- memories of meeting God, your family at the that. gate? Um, I remember uh, when my mom could walk me to the gate. Yep. Um, so I remember that, okay. but, but yeah, oh, but that was again, like, I think I started flying when I was eight. So it was right after 9-11. So it wasn't as intense as it is now, but mm-hmm. was more intense than it had been before. So I grew up in an era of increased security, but not the TSA that we exist with now. That's throw your fucking water about. bottles away and, yeah. you know, bags even smaller and shit yeah. like that. Because we've had – never mind. I don't want to go down that road. Fuck TSA. That's all I got to say. So, um, security you know, theater. I don't – I don't know, you know, I don't, I would never argue to someone that it didn't happen the way that, you know, it's proposed to because I don't, I'm not, I don't, I don't know. I don't know enough Mm -hmm. to, to combat that argument. But, you know, I also grew up in an era where it's been like 50, 75 years since a lot of this other weird government shit has happened. And I'm like, that looks really fucking suspicious, man. Yeah. You know, looks really suspicious. Fucking Nazi scientists and, you know, uh, fake airplanes over Cuba and shit like that. You know, I'm like, that's really sus. Like, that's super sus. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't know. So, so I just was interested in, you know, sure. what your old theories used to be if they're, you know, and I don't know. So listen, I, I, anyone with a internet connection can figure out what the, they, they can learn that there's, there's no way you've ever seen it all or heard it all. Yeah. yeah. I could say, I, I used to think, man, I've heard it all because there, you know, there are theories that there were no planes, that they were CGI right. infused right, in right. the video and, and I, you know, I saw those and I thought, well, that's bullshit recently. <laughs> and I, it's, it'll be a quick story, but I was flying up here and I was in the airport and we just got past security and I was sitting there and was putting my shoes back on, putting my belt back on, put my wedding ring back on, getting all the papers that I had taken off for the security. And this older guy, maybe between 60, 70 years old, he puts his hat back on after getting completely put back together. And he looks at me and he says, the terrorists won. Shit. And I looked him in the eyes and I, I didn't know what to say. So I said, yes, sir. Because I just, I, anyway, so that, that said, um, it's a valid point. <laughs> uh, the first thing is this. Okay. And this is the only conspiracy I'll really jump into and talk about. <laughs> and you mentioned it, the 15 of the 19 hijackers were Saudi. Yeah. And yeah, I know there's yeah. identity theft issues that you can look up, but 15 of the 19 hijackers and nobody talks about it. We, we accept it. We've heard it. We've all heard it and we right. all understand it, but, but it's not a big deal. It's for not some a big reason. deal for some reason. Yeah. And, and let's, let's be clear that right after it happened, we did not invade Saudi Arabia. We invaded Afghanistan. And then mm-hmm. very soon after we invaded Iraq. And I'm the kind of person that thinks it's an amazing coincidence that, let me ask you a question. Who's our number one enemy in the Middle East right now? Iran. Okay. It's not a coincidence to me that those two countries are on the eastern border and western border of Iran. That no. we attempted to close in Iran right after 9-11. It's, it, I feel like there's something bigger always going on. So I, I don't want to. Oh, well, there think, absolutely yeah. is. Yeah. With, <laughs> no, yeah, and no, I think that, abs- that goes all the way is. back to the Carter administration. Yes, yeah. it does. Our yes, it does. fucked up re- relationship with Iran stems back to the Iranian Revolution. And that's, here's, the, here's another thing. That stems back to the Cold War. Yep. And that stems back to 1945. And if it weren't for World War One, that wouldn't happen. If it weren't for Gavrilil Princip shooting an archduke on the streets of Sarajevo, we would not have 9-11, had 9-11 happen yeah. is, a, is a fact that I think about all the time. And, that we are and that's perpetually doomed. A nation that doesn't exist anymore. No, yeah. Austria Hungary. <laughs> it doesn't exist no. anymore. Has it has shaped humankind mm-hmm. for the la- I mean for centuries. Yep. 
at this point. For, I mean, oh, yep, exactly. For a century. It's fucking wild. Yep. The, uh, it's also why everybody should go listen to Hardcore History from Dan Carlin. Everyone should. <laughs> everyone, everyone should. should. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so that's an it. Well, because you were talking about the, the, the 15 hijackers essentially being identified as from Saudi Arabia. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. I think just to add some, you know, some objective reasoning perhaps to that situation, right? I don't think, especially given the time that it was in, this was the pre 9-11 world. Things were right. completely different, right? It's not hard for me to think that they could have just gotten identities from there or have been from there because Saudi Arabia was, they were one, if sure. before Iran took, took the reins, they were the number one lead sponsor of terror around the world. The only thing that changed was 9-11 happened. And then there was a weird shift in leadership and all this thing. Saudi Arabia has changed and now they're, we're homies with them. You know, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. but, but that's, you know, it's not, I don't think it's, it's weird to say that. I mean, yeah. But then again, that was 2001 and it is a completely different world now than it was then. Yeah. Sure. And I think having their nationalities at that point, I mean, I don't think that really – no. I don't think it changes the calculus that much. No, and I think you're right because, like, there's no, like you said, the 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 border uh, issues that Saudi Arabia deals with are different from anything that we would ever understand, mm-hmm. having lived in the United States forever. So there, there, it's entirely possible that that is the case, and that's perfectly explained. One thing I'll say is, you mentioned they were at one point the the number one state sponsored terror, uh, state sponsor for terror, mm-hmm. but we've we've always been. Buds with them. We've always, yeah. I, I, you know, because they always own the oil. That's yes, always. Well, and we crucify uh, uh, China and Russia for their support over the the last century for North Korea, but Saudi Arabia is basically our North Korea. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That's Cold yeah. War politics, baby. It's and the they world have, is a They got board. nukes too. Yeah, yeah, they got nukes, and that 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 right there is the the issue. I so I'm going to bring up something about Trump that I don't want you know to spark too much of a conversation. Maybe oh, because it's just it. a segue, but it's a uh, uh, you know people thought for a while. You know, the collusion between him and Russia. Collusion. Yeah. Collusion. There's got to be collusion. Oh, no, no collusion. No collusion. All the while, people are, I think, hugely mistaken in thinking that there needed to be collusion. There didn't need to be any collusion. You know, mm-hmm. Russia got what they wanted. Whether you agree with what happened or not, Russia right. got exactly yeah, right. what they wanted. Still getting it now. Yeah. Oh, left and right, man. Oh, they're getting it more and more now. I mean, mm-hmm. who's got more influence in the Middle East now than anyone else in the world? Russia does. Yep. Okay. And, and and we've Turkey is, yeah. yeah and yeah. we've talked about that before Fucking when we were Turkey. talking about Jesus. this this turmoil you know <laughs> this Kurds. continued effect from the Russian right. influence um, that started with uh, a minimal amount of rubles that were spent on social media you mm-hmm. know messaging and stuff yeah. like that yeah. and we argued at one point like at this point the rubles don't matter you know the, the fact that he matter. was even spent in rubles doesn't even matter anymore because it's carried on so far past fake mm-hmm. ads you know that it's it's. It's been four years now, yep. you know, and it's still the same thing is still happening, you know, the same discussions, no progression. Like it's all you said mm-hmm. it exactly as they wanted. Mm-hmm. It's continued to happen, you know, for a minuscule, minute amount of rubles that were spent yep. on Facebook, you yep. know. And, and the, the idea, though, is that like like you said, it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And I think that uh, the United States did not have to engage in some crazy it, it, uh, conspiracy after you know I've, I've believed a lot of things in my life I've been a lot of different people I do not believe the United States needed to engage in such a conspiracy in order for 9-11 to happen all they needed to do was 
fight against the Soviet Union in Afghanistan and supply weapons creating Al-Qaeda, setting the stage for the Taliban. And then wait, we did that. Yeah, exactly. And then support Israel like we've done since 1947. Um, Rahm Emanuel has an amazing quote. It's terrible quote, but it's, it's funny that it came from him, but I'm sure a lot of people throughout history have said it, which is, uh, I'm going to paraphrase here, but never let a good crisis go to waste. Yeah. Yeah. That's what 9-11 is. Mm-hmm. It's a crisis and there were opportunities to be exploited because of that crisis on a macro level, talking about, again, Afghanistan, Iraq, Saddam Hussein on a micro level, talking about Enron, talking about um, Dick Cheney's uh, personal uh, Halliburton, yeah, Halliburton, personal ties to yep. uh, contractors and whatnot, talking about Blackwater. Uh, that's micro, you know, fucking God damn it, Blackwater, right? God damn it. <laughs> fucking Eric yeah. Prince. I fucking hate Eric Prince. I thought Prince. he was the Antichrist for like fucking 10 years. Fucking Eric Prince <laughs> and then and fucking somehow I have been so upset about this since fucking Trump got into office. Somehow Eric Prince's fucking sister is the secretary of education. Really? Betsy DeVos no. is Eric Prince's sister. I swear That's to God. Educated I her, her maiden name <laughs> is Betsy Prince. She is Eric Prince's sister, and she's in here like, oh, no, fucking let's just cut education 14% across the board. Fuck the Special Olympics. We need to put this money into national security. And also, have you met my brother Eric? Do you you know him? Because, god damn it, is he a great guy? And he – yeah, Eric Prince was, you know, in this fucking meeting in the Moscow Tower with uh, with Donald Trump Jr. and with fucking – what's his face? Uh – Paul Manafort, you know what yeah. I'm saying? He was in this meeting. They're, they're like, oh, it's about adoption. You know, like, I don't, uh, adoption. And like, but Eric Prince was kicking it in the corner. Yeah. Just like, yeah, sure. no word. I think Russian babies, maybe one day, you know, I might do that. And like, I don't, it's like, fuck you, man. I, oh, God. I hate it. I will I say it. to Trump's defense in this situation, Eric Prince has been trying to get Blackwater involved in the Middle East since day one of Trump being inaugurated. Dude. And it has not happened. And so I have enough faith to think that it will not happen. Is it still called Blackwater? Or is it called still? No. Well, XI. I think it, I'm not sure. I think the artist formerly known as Blackwater. Yeah, perhaps, yeah. I don't know. Well, you don't want to give up such good publicity. Right, yeah. right, name, right. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Fucking goddamn Eric uh, Prince still out there arguing for the privatization of the world. I, can't, I just I can't. I can't with Eric Prince. Oh man, I, I, it's tough. I'm happy you brought that up. <laughs> well, and I, I don't really know how far, how deep to uh, dive into 9/11 at this point because I could go into the things I used to believe, but I, um, you know, that there were, you know, bombs planted in the buildings. Mm-hmm. That you know, Building Seven was demolished purposefully because the third plane or the fourth plane that was crashed in Pennsylvania was supposed to hit that one or something like that. You know, there mm-hmm. there are all these different ideas. You know, the security camera footage of the Pentagon. It doesn't look like an airplane crash. It looks like, you know, all the rubble and everything kind of looks like, what do people think? It was a missile. Right. You know, like whatever. a cruise missile or some yeah. shit. But uh, I mean, aside from all that, like the systematic changes that happened the day after, there's enough fuckery in that to be yeah. able to go, hey, I don't care whether we're talking 9-11 is an inside job or not. What happened afterward was obviously a bunch of people – Dick Cheney in the White House at this point, you know, essentially running the running the country because we all know George W. Bush does not have the mind to run the country. Right. You know, I mean, we have him pulling the strings. Mm-hmm. Why do we not think that this was I mean, that all leads back to, to Cheney and his his track record of fuckery. 
I mean, it all comes down to it. You can assign ev- the Patriot Patriot Act onward. All that stuff happened, and fucking Dan Carlin talked about it on his show back when he used to do Common Sense podcast. Yeah, he stopped you know, since Trump because, like, I actually how can't you blame him a little bit. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, we've had such a fundamental shift in government now that fucking Democrats are getting elected as Republicans, and mm-hmm. Democrats that are running now don't even come close to a Democrat 10 years ago. Yeah. That's not that long ago. Right. Yep. And they're unrecognizable from what they are now. I was I was thinking about that earlier when you guys were talking about um like Barack Obama and Donald Trump how the parties had kind of like wrapped themselves around you know who they are or Bernie Sanders and you know or Joe Biden and Donald Trump whoever it was and I thought that was interesting because I think if you look at the parties as they existed when we were growing up, you know, in that general era, they're completely different than they were now, right? Mm-hmm. And one thing, I think a good example that, Colin, you've talked about before is, is the emoluments thing, right? Yeah. When you're talking about genuine emoluments concerns with the president that's in the White House, um, do you, you know what I'm talking about, emoluments? Nope. So the emoluments clause of the Even Constitution. Did, nope. That, that's right. <laughs> the emoluments clause of the Constitution has to do with payments to the president, um, especially from like foreign countries, and then in general, just yes. gaining from the office. You know, other than the salary that they're getting, and so using your office to enrich your personal. <clears throat> yeah, and so there were concerns that I had. Um, Immediately when the president chose not to put all of his assets into a blind trust, right? So immediately off the bat, I didn't like that that's what he did. That breaks all precedent from, from previous executives. You know, they've all fucking, uh, Jimmy Carter selling his peanut farm and shit. You know, that he's like, I'm just, I'm not just going to separate myself from this, you know? So you're talking about like now Donald Trump is advertising his son's book and stuff like that. Right. Right. And there was a few weeks ago talks, you know, he said that he was going to try and host the G20 at his own resort, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's what like was the biggest thing for me. Right after we talked about it, he backed off it. But even that there was any discussion, you know, and then when he backed off, he was like, oh, you know, because of concerns about some phony emoluments clause, which is like, well, actually, you know, it's been in there since they fucking wrote it. So, you know, there's kind of no question. Um, If you look at a, a genuine emoluments concern, right, I feel that that would be a much bigger concern to the Republican Party that we grew up with than it is now. You know, now, like I said, a a genuine, actual concern or challenge to the emoluments clause, you have a Republican Party that's like, it's fine. I'm going to go and stay at his resort this weekend. So it's it's not a big deal, you know? And a Democratic Party who, because they hate Trump so much, are like, no, this is a fucking problem, you know? Mm -hmm. He's wasting taxpayer money, which is like... You know, when you're Jesus Christ talking about, you know, universal health care shit and $30 trillion, it's like, what's, what's the argument? What are you so, talking about? so it's, it's, it's almost backwards, you know, that you, like I said, a genuine actual argument for a challenge to the emoluments clause and the party that should care of, about wasting tax dollars and they're always trying to penny pinch, you know, that's the general idea of the Republican party is, you know, mm-hmm. slash taxes and all this shit. Someone's wasting tax dollars, pocketing them themselves. The Republican Party doesn't give a shit. No, you it's know? because the parties have all – they've lost all track of any kind of you know morals that they used to have, any right. kind of central ethos that they used to have. A conservative these days, maybe a handful of them that believe in what I would call true conservatism, Yeah, they have no voice whatsoever. And the party – the problem is it's, it's become – Party politics. Everything is party. Party this, party Scoring that, party points that. points for your team. Scoring points. Right. And Mitch McConnell in the lead of the Republican Party, because you can act like it's Trump, but that's just ridiculous. 
Trump has no real power within the Republican Party. Mitch McConnell holds all the power of the establishment Republicans, and he will not do a single thing to risk losing the office of the presidency. There's right. one Trump card left. He can't do anything about the Senate. He's doing what he can by getting people out there, and he's getting Trump out there to do all these rallies so that they'll you know, maintain as much support as possible. But at the end of the day, he's only worried about their party losing power. Yeah. And everything else doesn't matter. I mean, you would have to have like video proof of maybe a live stream where Donald Trump walks through the streets of Manhattan and goes on a shooting spree to get the Republicans to vote against him on anything. Yeah. You know, it's it's become so yeah. blatantly obvious to anybody that's willing to look. It's just disgusting. It's like why do we even have this representative democracy if you guys are just choosing to not pay it any homage whatsoever. You don't even pay it lip service anymore. Yeah. We're in power. Tough shit. What we say goes. And then we're going to fight tooth and nail against the other party to maintain our power. That's the only thing that goes. There's no real concern for anything anymore. You know, the fucking border crisis. It all just kind of boiled over and then steamed off. And now nobody gives a shit I'm about it about, anymore. But here, I live 15 minutes away from a, a former uh, for-profit prison that is now housing illegal immigrants and no one talks about it you know yep. it's just, yeah. it disappeared from the news yep because now it, nothing else matters we right. don't need to worry about that it's not boiling over anymore let's let's just turn that burner on low and let it ride we need to just have all of our focus on you know yep. on these hearings that of only <sighs> fucking, fucking a fraction of people give a shit about anyway yeah. you know mm-hmm. it's so on it's that weird. note we should probably add that the with the public the first round of public hearings being finished we have since moved on in the impeachment inquiry to um, essentially a handoff over to the House Judiciary Committee. To do a report. Yeah. And they're going to – I think there's going to be another hearing involved in that. The The chairman, Jerry Nadler, has sent a letter up to the White House essentially asking the president if he wants to have representation for the hearing there. And then that after that, they'll look at either drafting up articles of impeachment or not. And we'll see what happens from there. Yeah. That's basically where we're at. After all the hearings wrapped up last week, you know, we had – or a couple weeks ago, I think the the biggest one I think out of all that was that uh, Dr. Hill came in there and talked for a while. and You know, just a bunch of people in the Foreign Service have worked in and out of it. I mean, there was no real bombshells dropped, if you will. Yeah. But that's where we're at factually as far as the impeachment inquiry goes. There's not really a lot to talk about. It's just we're waiting at this point to see yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah, we'll get to that on the next one. What's up? Yeah. Mark? I was going to ask if I can put an exclamation point on the Middle East slash 9-11 yes, conversation. Definitely. Just a final, yes. final deal. And it's a little bit of a – I love history, so it's a little bit of – We all love history, history here. Um, after World War One, you we carved up the Middle East. We carved mm-hmm. up the Ottoman Empire and created the modern Middle East. Yep. Yes. And Majority drawn up by the British. Yeah. If you don't, if you look at your world map and you see a really straight line, if you go far back enough in time, you'll find some mustachioed British dude drawing a line in the sand or some French guy or some yeah. Belgian dude or something. Even the Germans, like there was just a colonization. So split it here, yep, here, here, and here, here, here. Yep. And, and well, what about these 
cultural boundaries. Ah, forget those, right? Don't and then, worry about that. Yeah. And yeah. after World War One, there was a whole group of people uh, from spread from northern Iran through Iraq, through uh, Syria, and into Turkey called the Kurds that wanted a Kurdistan. They wanted their yeah. own country. And we said, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll give you that. We'll give you that. And we didn't. We'll figure it out later. We didn't do it. <laughs> to this day, we have bargained with the Kurds to go against Saddam. And then we've allowed Saddam to, you know, attack him back. And then we've invaded Iraq and said, hey, Kurds, come on, let's do this. And then we 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 attack Saddam together and we put a Kurdish president in charge and we say, hey, you know, we need your help over here, you know, against the Iranians. You know, we need help in Syria against ISIS. Oh, but you're getting a little too powerful. We need, you know, okay, Turkey, go ahead and you know, just march oh, across dude. and put them down, you know? Oh, yeah. The, the whole foreign policy in the Middle East re- has been regarding the Kurds and the Kurds uh, getting just enough power to help us out, not enough to maintain their power and oh, yeah. keep it going. And they're, because there are so many different types of Kurds, they're so easily swayed and bought in different places. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's the earth in a nutshell is what's that quote from Gangs of New York? For, it's just a famous quote. You can always pay one half of the poor to kill the other half. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting is that it's, you're you're obviously very correct about that. You know, is, is is what you're saying about the Kurds, and then the argument in the current administration to step back and allow Turkey to do this is like, oh, well, you know, they're suckling at the teat of America anyway, so we need to kind of defend our own, and we need to look after ourselves. So, America so it's interesting, first. you know, that that's like the we're like, no, no, we need to help them out, you know, like, but they're. They're taking a little too much, you know, so I'm going to take it back a little bit. That's why General Mattis in his book, he, he talks about worrying so much about how our inconsistency affects our foreign politics because all of a sudden yep. he's getting ambassadors not talking to him anymore because we change course. Yep. And, you know, our failure to listen to generals and to um, actually <clears throat> implement real change in the Middle East without, like, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. trying to get personal gain at home right. as a, under our executive branch. We can, we can deal with our, we cannot, we cannot deal with our vices nor the cures, uh, the remedies to cure them. Well, mm-hmm. and that, and that goes straight down to the ground with the soldiers that are, that are there that, you know, they're only doing nine, maybe 12 month rotations. You know, you're, you're only there for that short amount of time. You can't get anything done, you know, and then when you have to immediately hand it off to another group of people who are going to lead in a completely different way, they're going to, could, they're going to conduct themselves in a completely different mm-hmm. way. You're starting from scratch every single time. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, when you've been there for what, almost 20 years now, you know, in nine, 12, 14 month rotations, depending on who's there, you know, mm-hmm. a different, idea every single time you go oh, yeah. you know and, and the whole time it's the same tribal chief that you're talking right to, who's right. there for his life or his dad part. dies mm-hmm. and now it's his son who's doing that and just remembers yeah. how bad his dad got He's fucked over for 10 so, years before that enemies. you know it's oil and water man yeah like you talked about earlier with the kurds like this is a this is a region of the world that does not operate on the same uh, wavelength as we do, we're completely different cultures who operate completely different. And back in the teens, when they drew those lines on a map and said, okay, this is yours, this is yours, this is yours, they had no concept of what they were actually dealing with on the ground. They don't right. know the, all the, the tribal intricacies. Mm-hmm. I almost fucking fucked that one up. <laughs> no, you've been <laughs> doing good. You're killing it. Yeah. And, and now we have to live with those consequences. We have yeah. stateless people all throughout the Middle East. And to pretend that we have a, like an idea of, what their society should be. It just, no. It's oil and water. They're, right. they're two different things. 
And then you add, you just layer that on with the, the rotating shifts. I mean, Jocko said something during that Rogan podcast that, that resonated a lot with me when he talked about World War One and World War Two. You know, when you went off to war in 1940, you were there until the war was over. Yeah. There is none of that now. You rotate in and out. We have all mm-hmm. this thing. It would be a completely different calculus if we were there until it was over. Right. If those squads were being there, and then as soon as you'd lose members, they'd get reinforced and all this. But there's no rotating home. Right. Unless Occasional you got your fucking, holiday leave, and that's yeah, it. Yeah. That was it. And that doesn't exist anymore. And so we can't operate on the same, you know, the same place, uh, the same playbook we've always been going through. You know, you know, there's always war now. It's there is always war. war. Very 1984. The terrorists won. Yeah. Well, they also have made us change our lifestyle. They, you know, I mean, you can look at when we talk about Russia and the Middle East and our influence and stuff, it makes you question things like, should we pull out of the Middle East? I don't like the idea of us being there, but there's obviously now if we move out, the Russians move in. Yeah. And now there's a whole geopolitics game you got to play. Yeah. There's there's no easy answers to this stuff. You want to be able to to pick an ideological stance one way or the other. We should be there. We shouldn't be there. But the problem is we're already there. We've already caused the series of events to create the problems that we have now. We have to deal with the current problems we have on the ground. Right. And it makes it really, really difficult. Because you may not like what you have to do now that you're there. But the problem is, you're fucking there already. And whether that's the seven years that I, – I, I don't remember if it was Mattis talking about that or somebody's talking about you need to be there for seven years or it's the three generations that you always talk about. Right, right. Whatever we have going on obviously doesn't work very well. And that's – what's going to happen? Time will tell. Yeah. <laughs> Time will tell. Sports. I see. You yeah, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't really have as. Well, don't. I didn't take really as many notes as far as sports, but the civil war is happening right now. Oregon is nine and two as far as the season goes, and this is go the last Beavers. Game. So they're up seventeen to ten right now, and there's two and a half minutes left. Oregon has the ball, so I think it'll probably be okay. Yeah. Do you um, like that meme I uh, sent you earlier about the ducks? Yeah, that was, really <laughs> that funny. was, funny. That was really funny. I'll show. I'll yeah. See if I can find um, it real quick. <clears throat> but the only. Like a real big sports thing that I can think of. There, were, I fucking Terrell Pryor got stabbed last night in Pittsburgh in like the chest and the neck. Um, he's a wide receiver. Yeah, I don't know how much like he watched football. Oh, oh you Terrell tweet Pryor, Yes, yeah. Sure. He got stabbed in the chest and neck is last still, night. Is he still playing? Is he wide he, receiver? No, he's a free agent right yeah. now. Yeah, so he doesn't. He's not signed to a team. But yeah, he was in Pittsburgh for something and was on the street and got fucking stabbed up. So I don't really know what the deal is with that. Right. Um, but this guy. Oh, God. Um, we're talking about egg toss, right? That's the game we're, we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, okay, exactly. Egg toss, yeah, professional right. egg toss. Professional um, egg toss. No, they think the only like big sports thing I can think of in the last like two weeks was the fight that had happened between the Browns oh, and, the, yeah. and the Steelers, right? Um, and there's uh, Rudolph. Yeah, and Miles Garrett. The, yeah, Miles Garrett hitting him in the head with the helmet. Yeah, and, and I, I know um, a bunch of Browns fans and Steelers fans, and their opinion on the fight is directly correlated with whether they're a Browns fan. It's or a really Steelers weird. Fan. It was strange the very next morning to see people making arguments that, like, oh, well, he deserved it. He shouldn't have been he fucking hit him in the like, head with a helmet. Whoa! I'm like, what do you mean, man? Like, I'm. I'm a, you know, an old school football fan. Like I like, you know, like big hits and shit like that, but it's, 
that's different than swinging a helmet on yeah. someone's unprotected dome piece. You know, what I mean, in <laughs> in the era of concussions and CTE that we live in now, when you know how bad it is, just him getting hit during the game yep. to strike him over the head with. I mean, it's lucky that he didn't cut his head open. You know, to He's hit him with the edge like of the hurt helmet, his neck, pulling the helmet off his he, head. Yes, just yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so. I what guess he's lucky. Miles Garrett is lucky. Yeah, right. Yeah, I guess. Miles Garrett's so lucky he didn't hurt Rudolph. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the punishments that came from that, I believe that Rudolph got like a $50,000 fine or something like that. And Mike Pouncey, one of the offensive linemen, um, he received a three-game suspension that was brought back down to two. Um, Miles Garrett is suspended indefinitely. For the rest of this season, the playoffs, and then possibly into next season. Um, oh, wow. I mean, you did commit assault. He, so. no kidding, yeah. Right, right. Um, and on then the one of the other, Ogan Joby, uh, one of the <laughs> linemen for the Browns, he received one game suspension that I believe was upheld. Miles Garrett also alleged in his appeal hearing that Mason Rudolph used a racial slur, a nondescript racial slur mm-hmm. during this altercation, which is what intensified Miles Garrett's reaction and caused uh, this interaction. Um, that happens a lot. You see like, um, if you see a, a referee like throw a flag and nothing is punched, there's no punch, no reason yeah. for the flag. It doesn't, it's usually something like that. Yeah. And so, it's that was the first time that it was brought up. There was nothing mentioned after the game, you know, that that had happened. It was just after time had gone by during the appeal hearing that this was brought up. Um, Mason Rudolph's lawyer said that they vehemently deny that that ever happened. Um, and that, you know, it, it almost sounded like the language that they used, and I should have brought up an article so I could use quotes, but it, it almost sounded like they were gearing up for a possible countersuit for defamation. Mm. Like they were the, the language was so firm and so exact that that's just what it felt like to me. I don't, I obviously can't attest that that's what's happening, but it's, it's the language. If you look up an article, it was very particular. Um, and I mean, kind of like saying, like, if you're going to say that Rudolph said that, that and that's so blatantly it, untrue, then we're going to sue you it, back for that. And it wasn't exactly like that, you know, but like he was using like so just very technical language, you know, things like defamation and shit like that. Sure. And so it's it's not good because um, defamation and, is hard. It's it's hard to get a you know to come out on top in a, a legal defamation lawsuit in America. Yeah, it's because we have free speech. It's real hard to get somebody on def- defamation because it, it starts to boil down to intent. It's and impossible. I don't, and I don't know if it matters that he said it like in a – and I don't even know that it was a court of law. It just was during an NFL appeal hearing. So yeah. so I don't know if it matters you know, or it's easier an argument to make because he said it during, during an official hearing you know, and mm-hmm. it isn't just like a statement he made during an interview. Like it's an official NFL hearing in which he made this statement that you – know, Mason Rudolph said this shit. So I don't know. Um, I think that it seems weird that if that's the case, no one else brought that up prior to that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like um, no one, no other players, you mean? Yeah, no other players. I mean, there were several other people yeah. that were right there. So it seems yeah. weird that that wouldn't have been brought up at the time. I mean, not to, you know, I mean, Mike Pouncey is black, you know? So it seems weird that he's standing there defending my, Mason Rudolph. And if he's going to hear him, call miles garrett the n-word that he's still gonna be like yep fuck you you still struck my quarterback like i don't i if you're dropping a hard r on a guy i gotta imagine that you're gonna turn over and be like what the fuck did you hey, say i don't like you know what hit him yeah i like you can't do that you know no. i'm standing here trying to fight this guy for you and now you're thrown around to like yeah. racial slurs like that's not fucking cool yeah. i don't 
what 75 percent of the league at least is black you know i mean at least as much of your locker room in pittsburgh is black so that's a dangerous statement to try and make that i mean that's going to turn the locker room against you immediately if anyone finds out that you're using words like that you know if you're throwing that shit around you know no one's going to want to block for you you know no one's going to want to play for you it's that's not gonna Mm -hmm. work so I, I'm obviously not saying that Miles Garrett is lying, um, but I think that it seems weird that no one else said anything about it. The NFL is like, oh, we don't have audio of that, you know, which it's, it's, do they not it, record it, though? I don't know. There's fucking works. sound discs right on the edge of the field, okay. you know, like all in the end zone and shit. And so I'm like, what do you mean you don't have any audio at all, you know? Yeah, and come so, on. do you think the NFL is more or less efficient than military court martial? <laughs> That's it's what fucking I was bad. Say. I was like, it's the NFL's little, you know, judicial section they have yeah. is a little sketchy as it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys out there literally like beating up women, yeah, and, like doing some fucked up shit, and they're like, oh, suspension, suspension. Oh no, we don't like that. You really fucked up. You're gone. Yeah, it's like, well, there's no real such thing as like legal precedent in the NFL. People you know? are getting six game suspensions for. For domestic violence, you know, or even accused domestic violence. But then there was a guy, I don't remember what his name is, but he just got suspended indefinitely for betting on NFL games, right? Which obviously it doesn't look very good, you know, no. like you're really not supposed to do that. But I don't know why the suspension for gambling is more extreme than for beating your fucking wife, you know? I, that seems really weird. Yeah. Like, if you yeah. screw with the man, if you screw with the top 1%, <laughs> right. that's when they right. That's why Bernie Madoff is right. in prison and not a bunch of other white-collar guys. You know? Yeah. I can't wait to watch that movie with uh, De Niro playing yeah. Madoff. It looks oh, so man. fucking good. I almost watched it the other Anything day. Anything with De Niro. Yeah. Have you seen Michael Barker? Have you seen Vice um, with Christian Bale? Yes. Yes, I have. Fucking I watched so that on an movie, airplane. Right? That was amazing. Christian fucking Bale is movie. like – I forget. Steve Carell as uh, – Yeah. Oh, What's his name? The sec def uh, yeah. under the Bush administration. What is wrong with weird you, ass name? It's of, a weird ass name. It's uh no 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 no. I'm gonna think it before you get it. <laughs> Rumsfeld. Yep. Donald, Donald Rumsfeld. Rumsfeld. Yeah. You saw it live. No. Incredible. Uh, right. Recorded. Incredible. Yeah, incredible. Really yeah. good. That's all right. I can't type anything in the IMDb <laughs> search box for some reason. That's all right. Yeah. Yeah, Fuck no, that whole me. that whole movie was fantastic. I forgot to bring that up earlier when you guys when we were all talking about talking Dick Cheney. Yeah. yeah, that was so a good. That was really fucking good. great movie. We saw that me and Colin and Jordan went and saw that movie. It's, yeah, it's awesome. Yep, yes. I enjoyed so it. Good. Yeah, so I think that's all that I have as far as as far as sports goes. Um, the Seahawks are still fucking balling out, you know, nine yeah. and two, killing yeah. it. So I mean, we play Forty uh, ers or what now? They've lost one now, right? Yeah, they're ten. They lost one. against us. They're t- yes, yeah, yes. they're ten and one, um, and they play again this week. You know, um, so it's gonna be a good time. Can I ask you a yes. football question? Anytime. Always. Why now that Nick Foles is healthy again? Yes. Why the fuck did he come back to play? Because Minshaw was doing pretty good. Oh, because he was the starter to begin with. Who cares? And it sucks. Minshaw's kicking it. Sit down on the bench. The general president. The, <laughs> the general precedent among the NFL team is you won't lose your job to an injury. 
You mm. know, that's kind of how it goes. Like, if you get injured, we're going to let you come back and play for your job. But if you're really shitty after that, then we'll sit you down and we're going to bring the backup back in. So Minshaw uh, just invested in his future heavily. He, this season. Yeah, because they could even trade him to another team He's as a backup and really and be yeah. worth really good capital. You yeah, know, I mean, there's on many teams such a huge difference between the starting quarterback and the backup quarterback that on teams – Green Bay, right? If Aaron Rodgers goes out. Green Bay is not going anywhere. No. They're they're done for the season. It's it's over. You know, yeah. Philip Rivers, even as shitty as he is right now, if he goes, whoever their fucking backup is, they're done for the season. They don't stand a chance. You know, many teams are exactly that way. I would even yeah. argue the Seahawks. If Geno Smith is to have to play instead of Russell Wilson, we're fucked. Yeah, it's not going to happen. It's we will lose at least half of the games that he mm-hmm. has to play. At least half. You know, not to mention like the tribal knowledge that. You lose from like a quarterback who is, however well they're all fit, he they have a dynamic yes. together. The O line, everybody has a dynamic. They play with Russ versus now you got a new guy in there who you might have played with sometimes, but you got to relearn the game, yeah, right? Geno Smith, Geno Smith is he's going to get some reps at the end of practice just mm-hmm. in case something happens and he has to play. But the vast majority of the reps that Geno Smith is taking is with the number twos, so he's playing with the backups for the wide receivers anyway. So the rapport that he has with the team is not with Tyler Lockett, it's not with DK nope. Metcalf, it's mm-hmm. with the other dudes that are going to play behind them. You yeah, know, just to stay fit enough physically to play. Exactly, exactly. And Minshaw, I'm telling you, man. I mean, I was getting sick numbers from him. He was doing pretty good. He was doing pretty well. I think he might have uh, earned himself a paycheck here well, in the future. And, yeah. Well, and he's in like just his first year anyway. So oh, yeah. whoever gets him is going to get him for dirt cheap anyway. He also, yeah. I think, he was drafted in like the seventh round. So and to think about seventh how round well quarterback he had to shit. meld with the team to be able to, to do what he did yes. during his time yeah. on. I, fuck, man. Somebody needs to pick him up. He did well, and he came from. Who needs a new quarterback? He uh, came from Washington State, the actually. Pats. The Pats need um, a new quarterback. Do you think so? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> there, I guess there's whispers, you know, that like maybe Tom Brady is like going to try and play somewhere else instead of New England. You know, I don't know that I buy that. There was a no. whisper, you know. I think that that would be really weird. That'd be but, like fucking Brett Favre leaving Green Bay. Oh, you mean like when he played for Minnesota? Yeah. Yeah, the Jets. Yeah, like that would be him if he left the Pats. He'd go to the Oakland Raiders or something. They might do all right, and then he'd get traded to like the fucking Jets. Yeah, and then his career would be over. Isn't Tom Brady the reason Garoppolo left New England? Yes. Mm -hmm. So that would is what would be weird for me because I I felt that Garoppolo would have been a very good replacement for Brady. Fantastic. Not a great quarterback anywhere, but for Brady with that team with that organization. Would yeah. have been a great replacement, and I think maybe Brady knew it. And was then like, he got nervous. Yeah, peace. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's what would be strange if if Brady played somewhere else immediately after pulling those strings. Yeah, I don't think that would ever happen. I, I think he's a New Englander till he dies, and then yeah. he's gonna, just going to go hang out at the Victoria's Secret Mansion that they gave to Epstein, and it'll be fine. <laughs> it'll be fine. I also heard about Philip Rivers maybe going to Tennessee. Um, or Carolina, about Carolina, Carolina because Carolina is trying <laughs> I to know where he brings his alligator boots, man. That, <laughs> that quarterback, he's my favorite quarterback in the NFL and has nothing to do with his skill. Yeah. <laughs> I want to have a beer with that dude and just like, I don't know, hunt something. There you yeah. go. Carolina, um, I guess is looking to maybe trade Cam Newton. And so they would be in the looks for a new quarterback. And, uh, Phillip Rivers doesn't. 
Okay, so this is a longer story than I made it out to be. Um, <laughs> I guess there's also whispers about L.A. possibly going to Europe to to be in London, right? In like the next five to ten years. But Philip Rivers doesn't want anything to do with that. He's got a thousand kids and can't be taking them out of Was America to go to schools. No, he just okay. So get this: <laughs> Philip Rivers is, I Russian guess, the options. Is, I guess the biggest trash talker in the NFL. Like talks the most shit out of anybody in the NFL. What doesn't swear. He doesn't curse at all. Oh, so he's like a son of a frick. Your mother Shit like a, all over the sidelines. He's just telling you that you're terrible. Just, the, just that you suck. That's it. Just a straight up, just like you're terrible. You're not good. You're you fucking suck at football. Like I don't, but no swearing of any kind ever. Hmm. Maybe really a, weird. Maybe he's a Baptist. I don't know. He is very religious, but I, he's not Mormon or anything. Hmm. Maybe he is. I don't think so though. Where's he from? Where do he go to college? I'm not sure. Where do you play for college? Uh, Utah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like uh, – um, You know what's funny is I, I talk a lot of crap about the Mormons, but good Lord, I've never met a Mormon that wasn't like an amazing North Carolina being. State. He's from Carolina. Oh. All right. yeah. Well, that makes sense. He's got good old-fashioned Southern values. <laughs> yeah. Family man. <laughs> so, so he's got just a thousand children. Um I'm trying to see exactly how many, but this is obviously way more about. Imagine Thanksgiving at that house. Personal life. Jeez. It's probably a big house. Yeah. Oh, he's I'm got a sure. whole staff to cook. He don't have to worry about <laughs> taking on that burden. I listened to a sports podcast that's called Pardon My Take. Um, and they, it's like part comedy, part sports. And they were talking about how they heard that Philip Rivers' house is kind of like a police station or fire station. You just take your kid there and drop it off and they just have to take it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that's how they got all these kids. But yeah. And so because Philip Rivers doesn't want to even consider leaving the country, they're like, well, we'll just fucking trade you to Carolina because they're going to get rid of Cam Newton and then we'll just draft us a new QB and we'll move on from there. So So is Cam Newton – is he going to be coming to a close here pretty soon? Cam Newton is. I think he's, he's been he's going downhill for a been while. Been dealing with like surgeries and shit. He's been really unhealthy the last two years, which yeah. attributes a lot to why he's so terrible. It's also um, why you throw so many temper tantrums. Yes, he's like a little baby. So he's been out pretty much all year. Like I think he played a couple of games in the beginning of the year, and then has been out ever since, just mm-hmm. getting surgeries and getting healthy and shit. But Carolina is ready to move on. Well, the guy that they have now, psychiatrist. The guy that they have now, Kyle Allen, is like an okay fill-in until they get the next guy, you know, mm-hmm. that they want to work on. So they're they're doing okay. Plus, they have Christian McCaffrey, and he's just carrying the whole fucking team in Carolina. So yeah. it's it's weird. It's weird how much that guy has mm-hmm. the the receiving yards, the rushing yards. It's it's absurd, Christian McCaffrey. It's absurd. It's from Stanford. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's always to me, anyways. That's always been Cam's downfall. Is all you got to do is make him angry, and as soon as he gets angry, his skill level goes down. The because he, he's just Plays too like angry. Yeah. So you just piss him off. You get one pick six, you're gonna win the game. Done. You just pissed it off. Really you, you pissed in his cheer, Cheerios enough, and now it's over. Yeah. He obviously doesn't eat Wheaties. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't fucking I don't know. Probably a hundred. <clears throat> and thank now. God. Can Kaepernick be gone now? Can, can we be done with I don't this know. Well, he situation? hasn't. So we talked about this a little bit last time because he was working out that day. And yeah. so he left, you know, and like did his workout at another place. And um, yeah, he's changed really the sketchy. venue. No, From what I understand. Because he only had like two hours to decide whether or not he was going to yes, take a deal. Yeah. And the NFL promised they were going to give him a list of teams that were going to be and there. Then and didn't then didn't do it. Scrapped yeah, that idea. Right, so right. he 
probably thought it was like a PR stunt and just canceled. A lot so of I told so I told Colin that day that <clears throat> I think that this <laughs> so he had you, this. you told Colin Kaepernick. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> oh, I was talking on the phone to Cap and what I, I told him no to the streets on the horn with these. No, I I told Colin that day that um I think that his plan to move the workout was premeditated far before that day but he executed it that day. I think that the moment that he started to think that everything wasn't on the up and up. He's like, well, I'm just going to set up another thing. And when the day comes, I'll just tell all the reporters that we're moving it and fuck the NFL and we'll just do it that day. You know, mm-hmm. I know, I know that he knows that if he announced before the day of the workout that he was going to do it on his own, the NFL would have said, fuck him even more and try to tank it and do whatever they could to bring it down. So I think that he intended the moment that he even caught a whiff of suspicion. I think he intended to move it, which I, th- I think it's fine. You know, mm-hmm. my whole deal from the beginning, we've talked about Colin Kaepernick just a thousand times on this show. And my whole deal from the beginning was not what he was doing or, you know, that I don't agree with him or I think that it's anti-American. It's nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Right. My deal was always, always, always from a sports perspective and that I didn't think that he was being back, that he was being blackballed because of what he was doing. I thought that he was being blackballed by the league because he was showing poor leadership skills amongst teams by acting on his own in a sport that consists of 53 men on a roster, right? And if I was an owner of a league, I wouldn't want him to be the leader of my team anyway because he's acting on his own. I personally feel that if they are going to protest, then they should either all do it or no one should do it because you can't win a football game by yourself doesn't matter that you're the quarterback, you're the best wide receiver, you're fucking Antonio Brown, Odo Beckham, it doesn't matter. If you're playing by yourself, you cannot win. And I feel that because it's a team of 53 people, then that many people should be involved in whatever they're going to do on the sidelines if they're going to do it that day. I think that he's well within his rights to use his status as a quarterback at a separate location that's not funded by the NFL to do whatever he wants, but say, mm-hmm. but I'm also a quarterback and I'm using my stance to do so, you know, because I don't think that it's unreasonable that you're – actively suing someone and then they don't want to give you a job you know when you're actively involved in legislation against or uh legal action against the nfl for no one in that entity to want to give you a job i don't think is that weird you know so much of it depends on public opinion too because if you know if someone stands up and says you know i'm gonna you know use this microphone at this nfl press conference to thank our troops and thank god and do all those things no one's gonna blink an eye right and you know uh, Colin Kaepernick, let's, you know, it's hard to ignore the fact that I, I think that any team that picks up Colin Kaepernick is going to lose money on jersey sales based on the public opinion totally. of the people who tune into the NFL. Yeah. And so it's hard to ignore that, like, we're not going to pick him up because we're just going to lose money for the franchise. Right. And the whole goal, if you follow that trail all the way to the top, the whole so goal of a money. franchise is to make money. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's bad for <clears throat> business. Yeah. No, and like I said, I think that he's well within his rights to to use that status to, you know, to say anything that he wants with that platform that he's given. Sure. But I don't think that using the NFL's platform is the right way to go about it and expect no repercussions to happen, mm-hmm. you know? And there's a lot of people that tried to draw they tried to draw comparisons between like him and oh well Muhammad Ali was really active, you know, when he was politically active and doing all these things. And he, he was also a boxer. He was a, a, a one person who stood in the ring and fought by himself. You know, he had a team of people that stood behind him, but they weren't fighting. They weren't active in that match. True. He, he, he was by himself, you know, and when you're playing, I personally feel like I said, when you're playing on a team where there's 53 people there, you need to be in totally, total unison with all these other 52 dudes to be using that platform for what it is, or else you shouldn't be doing it. 
I think that it just shows poor leadership skills, you know, and that's just my personal opinion that because it's a team sport like that, you got to have everyone on board or you shouldn't be doing it, you know, and that's just me personally. Mm -hmm. Um, But I never disagreed with the purpose of his protest or anything Mm -hmm. like that. You know, I just, I think that it's strange to expect to be able to do things like that and for there to be no repercussions, you know, and a lot of people don't like to compare being an NFL player to having a regular job, you know, you can't protest however you want at a regular job and expect to yeah, keep the, your job. The whole idea you know? of freedom of speech does work in mysterious <clears throat> ways and right. ways. And Especially for employment. You know, you're not, like I said, yeah. you're not talking about, well, I'm, I'm going to be at city hall on this day and time and I'm going to speak for as long as I want. Because in that mm-hmm. instance, if you're doing that, if you're only speaking at city hall or, you know, wherever, some other public area where you're allowed to be and say whatever the fuck you want. And then you're seeing negative repercussions within the NFL. That's a different thing to talk about. About, you know, mm-hmm. but you're using game day, this thing here to to try and do this, to expect no one in the league to yeah. affect that, I think is is silly. I think you the know? counter is also that like there's always an argument that you shouldn't do this here. You should do it somewhere else. Yeah. You should do it on YouTube or you should do it on this other street corner. You should do it on your own time. But if Colin Kaepernick had started by, you know, just getting on YouTube and doing it, people would still be talking about the same shit. People would still yeah. want him to get out of the 49ers. You know, I'm going to boycott the NFL as long as right. they allow him to do this. And it would, we'd still be encountering a lot of the same issues, I, I think. I agree, but I think that the validity of the argument is way less than it is now. You know, if you're taking the element of the NFL out of it, other other than this is a part of who I am because I can't separate myself from my employment at the, in the NFL. I am an NFL quarterback. I am the quarterback of the 49ers. That's who I am as a person, mm-hmm. but I'm not using a stadium as a platform. I'm not doing it at the practice field. I'm not doing it, you know, while I'm wearing a jersey. I'm not doing any of that shit. Mm-hmm. And that's it separates you from any of this gray area of whether or not they're doing it for their own private, you know, gain or anything like that. It's yeah. if you if you've completely separated yourself, you've removed that argument from validity. It is no longer a valid argument for anyone to make, you know, that you're doing anything to try and shit on the league because you're private protesting wherever you want, you know? Sure. And so it's it's not that I think that it's totally right, you know, because you're correct. There's always an argument that you should be doing it in another place, but if you're doing that for such a divisive for lack of a better term divisive subject you know just remove that from the argument because any of those people that are still trying to say that afterwards are just fucking stupid there's another reason that they're trying to cover up with this argument that you removed by not using the nfl as a platform anyway sure you know and that's that's my deal with it it's arguable that if he did something like i mentioned youtube that's such a good way to get ideas yeah yeah and that's something like that it's arguable that it would be bigger now than it yeah you know what i'm saying because more players would be like i'll do that too yeah, yep. yeah. And, and so then you divorce yourself from that connection of the league. Like, yeah, be like, dude, I don't, I don't shit where I sleep, right, yep. or eat, or whatever the expression I can do is. Yeah. Commercial for any company I want, I can. Yep. You know, exactly. And mm-hmm. so when this happened with the workout, when he went and did his own thing, he had his own private crew, he had his own receivers, he had his own everything. I was like, well, this, this is exactly what I've been asking for this whole time. He said, fuck the NFL. I've got something to say. I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to show my skills. And if you guys don't like it, then that's your own fucking problem. So I was like, respect. Word. Yeah, I don't. This is literally what I asked for this whole time is for you to do something on your own to remove the NFL from it so that they can't, you know, fuck it up for themselves. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, good for you, man. I know you did the right thing. I think you, you thought there was some sus shit going on with the NFL. And so you just did it on your own. And that's exactly what I've been asking for this whole time. So maybe too late now, you know, it is unfortunate. Yeah. But like I said, I the problematic aspect of, of free speech is, you know, the first amendment 
as far as it's concerning free speech, it doesn't protect you from reprisals except from the government. Right. And right. in the it's private a, industry, I mean, you need to make calculated decisions. You know, if, yeah. you're, a, yeah. if you're up and coming up in the, the universities these days and you're, you know, an outspoken conservative, you need to watch what you say because that's yeah. not the government. They can decide they don't like what you say and blackball you out. They can make your life impossible. And the NFL is no different. There is a it politics is a, and media. Like we're talking about Andrew yeah. Yang or fucking Tulsi Gabbard. You know, yep. if you gotta, if, if they don't like what you're saying, they will just wipe you out of existence. Yep. You know, they'll just cover it up. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Yeah. I think that was healthy. I agree. It's Michael good. Barker, this was fantastic. This was awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah, good time. Thank this. you, man. Yeah, I did. I had a blast. This was awesome. Awesome. I enjoyed every moment. We have some more plugs that you want to throw out. They're all the same ones before. Whatever you want to you want to plug on to. Um, I always like to finish by plugging other stuff, so I want to plug uh, this podcast I know of called Salt of the Streets. I've never heard of it. You should tune <laughs> into you. Salt of the Streets. Uh, also, I love hardcore history, like we talked about. Dan oh, Carlin. Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, the book Call Sign Chaos by uh, General James Mattis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I like being bigger than my britches here. Just like, oh, I'm going <laughs> to call, I'm going to, you know, these none of these people need my uh, endorsement. But they appreciate it. Yeah. Nonetheless. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. And just read books. Just read. Uh, never stop learning. If you encounter something that you're unaware of, just Look it up, Google it, and read as many articles as possible. Let yes. go down that Wikipedia drain yes. where mm-hmm. you start by reading, you know, about Disney, and then all of a sudden you're reading about thermonuclear proliferation, and you don't know how you got there, but you're not upset about it, and you wouldn't turn back time. I see, I see the connection right there. I <laughs> yeah. see that. that might, yeah, exactly. he's already worked it out. He's done that before. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm up there drawing the fucking strings on the on the pegboard. You know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> What's that? Uh? It's always sunny. Uh, always sunny. Yeah, yes. it's always sunny. Yeah, there it is. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm not as shameless as you, so I'm going to go ahead and plug our last social media or our own social medias. Um, so my personal social media, I'm at Salt of the Street on Twitter and at Alpaca underscore Donovan on Instagram. And Colin is at Big Bird Offie on both of those things. Um, we have our Instagram at Salt of the Streets, our YouTube at Salt of the Streets, Facebook at Salt of the Streets. And you can find all of that on saltofthestreets.com. It's fantastic. We're currently working on updating it. It's going to be awesome. Um, and we end the show every week with a line of my choosing, right? And when we first started, they were lines from It's Always Sunny, actually. Um, I used to love, I still love that show. And so I would just pick just random lines that I had heard and that, that's what we would use as the Punch closing the line face, for the bro. show. Right. The it's, a yeah, a lot of bad <laughs> shit. Um, and so, so we always told people that if they, Whoever figured it out, whoever guessed where all these lines were from, it was a secret. Um, then they got a free T-shirt, and so someone finally guessed it after fucking like sixty-five episodes or some shit. <laughs> and so I had to pick a new theme, and so this line, super random, it's not going to make any sense, um, but it is from some form of media, and there is a general theme to it. And so whoever picks up the theme from this new set of lines. We'll get a free T-shirt. You get a free T-shirt for being on the show, anyway. No uh, yes, yeah. Because you're tall, I'm going to order a tall tee and I'll <laughs> and I'll send it to you because the oh. ones that we have are just going to be sh- be too short. But yeah, I'll get a tall tee and I'll mail you too. So be like a so, sleeveless T-shirt if you put it on now. Yeah, yeah exactly. You all midriff is what it would be, and yep. so we just so so we'll. That's save. nice of you. Most people just get me 
triple XL, but then I just look like an umbrella. It, it, no, doesn't, it, it yeah. doesn't increase the length at all. Being tall men, we understand what it's <laughs> yeah. like. You obviously have it worse than either of us, but, no. um, but that yeah. extra three inches goes a long way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I understand the struggle. So, so with that, uh, you guys like to suck each other's cocks, huh? I mean, <laughs> don't tempt me with a good time. We call, it a, we call that stab in the mud crab. <laughs>